God, these movies were such trash. <laughs> such trash. I have never seen a movie this bad before. <laughs> I mean, of all the weeks for Vader not I know, to be here. Right? I know. Of all but the like weeks. We had movies with boobs in them. Yep. There's porn parodies yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And actual porn actresses. <laughs> and like Vader's like, yeah, like this, this could have been his week. Yeah. You know? He could have shined. So bright. <laughs> he, he would have hated all these movies. I did too, but that's all right. Actually, I really, I didn't hate all. I hated two out of the three. Oh. I do want to go on record. Hit me. As having said. Don't actually hit me. But. <laughs> chuck a piece of candy at your yeah. <laughs> I did not choose Scream Queen Week. Okay. This is not for me. This was my call. Matt Kadish chose Scream Queen week. I wanted to do Final Girls, which would have been more like Halloween, Scream, the movie Final Girls, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Alien. What does Final Girls mean? It's it's in the horror movies, the the final girl. The trope is that there's always- Everybody gets killed except for the final girls. Yeah, there's always one last girl who fights the monster. I love those movies. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And then Kadish was like, yeah, uh, Scream Queens. Because I think he thinks that anything female is the same fucking thing. (laughs) Oh, man. Patriarchy. Patriarchy. I did not want to do this. This is- you guys were like, yeah, we're doing Scream Queen week for you. It's like, no, 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 no. That's Kadish. All right. We'll make sure to communicate that with the uh, listeners. The following podcast may contain adult language and an abundance of salt. So grab your silver bullets and get ready to scream. <laughs> yeah, show, your, show your tits and get ready to scream. Get rid of your bras. <laughs> There's no bras in the future. <laughs> there really aren't, are there? No. <laughs> call out to George Lucas. Um, the first thing that happens in an apocalypse is that people stop wearing bras and manufacturing bras. Yes. It's like you can trade bras for goods and services and in the future the because they're so do. rare. Yeah. It's the first thing you do is get rid of the bras. So you can get a gun or something. Scream queen week. Scream queen week. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, the Salty Nerd. And today's episode, we're discussing Scream Queen movies, 80s classics and or parodies. And I am joined by my illustrious co-host, Minus One. Uh, Vader is not with us today, unfortunately. This of pro- all the weeks, of all the weeks, for him I know, to miss. There's this, so many boobs in this, these movies. <laughs> this would have been the greatest week <laughs> for him to boobs be Boobs and porn stars, and like Vader's nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. It's a, such a shame. Such a shame. Anyway, we are. I am joined by the Scream Queen herself, Jude. Welcome to the show. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I am also joined by Matthew Kadish, the author extraordinaire. What's up, dude? Greetings. All right. Today's episode, we're discussing The Fog, John Carpenter, 1980 movie, and The Howling, 1981, and Creepazoids, 1987. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till we get there. Did, did, did all three of these movies get a remake at some point? Uh, did Creepazoids get a remake? I don't. Creepazoids, Creepazoids got a remake known a remake. as Hybrid. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Howling had a remake. It Howling just, had a ton of spinoffs and yeah, sequels. Yeah, spinoffs. And or sequels, the Fog yeah. got a bunch of remakes. No, it got, it one, got one, one remake. One remake? Yeah. Is that the one with Jessica Biel? No, uh, you're Jessica Biel. <laughs> Jessica, yeah. Jessica. No, no, Tom Welling from Tom Welling. Uh, Smallville. And uh, what's her name? Mace? Really? Grace? 
don't know. Her uh, name. The girl from the first season of Lost. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm thinking, why am I thinking Jessica Biel? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I have no idea how your mind works. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. All right, guys. First on the list is The Fog. Thank you for joining us on today's episode, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Before we get started, go to saltynerdclub.com and help support the podcast. We need your help. We are trying to get to the point where we can do live video podcasts just for you guys on YouTube, so you can watch along and hang out and comment and uh, join the discussion. So uh, if you go to saltynerdclub.com, you can pick a tier. We offer a wide range of awesome content for you as far as like blooper reels and exclusive podcasts and pictures, behind the scenes footage and all that kind of cool stuff. So uh, pick a tier. Any money you give us will help us to improve our content and provide more entertaining stuff for you. You guys could actually see how we decorated the studio for Halloween. Yeah. Jude worked really hard. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, Me and my six-year-old. <laughs> yes, we've got a very spooky studio now. Yeah. Spooky. Spooky. Are you guys going to decorate for Christmas in like November? Is that how this no, works? No, okay. no, no. December right, 1st okay. is Christmas season. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. you're not a psycho. Thanksgiving <laughs> is Kadish's favorite holiday. Yeah. Oh, really? So that would be sacrilegious mm-hmm. to him. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Disrespectful. It is. Yeah, yeah. I'm very clear. I'm, I'm like, no Christmas decorations until December. Good. Oof. Good. Respect the turkey. That clenched jaw. <laughs> I know. I get very passionate about <laughs> keeping Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving. Yes. Thank you. Good. Uh, it's an underrated holiday. All right, guys, starting off is The Fog, John Carpenter's 1980 film. And Jude, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? All right. Well, first, I wanted to talk about what is a scream queen? Oh, yes. yeah. Let's explain the topic for this week. That's a good idea. Go why ahead. don't you go ahead, Kadish, because oh. I know you've got notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, basically, a scream queen is an actress who is associated with horror movies. Yes. Like, her career is basically based around being known for being in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically they're um, characters who are habitually attacked by monsters or killers or something like that. So like they tend to scream a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, there are numerous actresses who've made like very successful careers out of just, you know, being a screen queen. Yeah. uh, To the point where it's kind of permeated the the lexicon. And we even had a TV show not too long ago called Scream Queens Mm -hmm. from Ryan Murphy. And uh, Jude and I watched that show, both seasons of it. It was fantastic. Um, So uh, when we were trying to think of, because, you know, in October, we always do the horror movie theme. So like everything that we're going to be talking about in October is kind of based around Halloween and horror movies and stuff like that. And I thought it'd be fun to do a show about Scream Queens. And so we picked movies that kind of feature... uh, the most famous scream queens um, out there, and uh, now From we're going to talk 80s. about them. Yes, the eighties was really kind of like the heyday of the scream queen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's when they were born. Yeah. The scream queen generation and the scream queen uh, Late phenomenon. Late seventies through the through yeah. the eighties, yeah. and and it carries on. And people who are nostalgic about these movies go on to remake them, and then we get a new generation. Uh, I don't think it's quite stuck for the new generation, though. I don't. I don't. I can't think off the top of my head of any like scream queen actresses that are like my age or maybe a little bit older. I think it's older. more television based now. That's yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause we get what the haunting of Hill house and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and yeah, uh, all the Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Serialized stuff. is more in line with it. I guess they don't do quite as well in the box office. So they feel like they're better off in a TV show no, or something. Horror movies, well, I think, horror movies still do well at the box yeah, office. I just think that actors want, don't want to be typecast anymore. Mm. So that's not like they're um, I'm the, the horror go-to gal. <laughs> Nobody's really doing that anymore. I think people want just want to be um, more well-versed. Mm. 
people have evolved. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's Jude. talk about the fog. Yeah, let's All talk right. about the fog. The fog from 1980. The fog, aka Ghost Pirates. Uh, This is a John Carpenter movie and the scream queens that are in this are Jamie Lee Curtis, who was in Halloween and prom night um, and the, the sequels that followed those. Is she the scream queen in this movie? Is Uh, this? No. No. Okay. But Uh, but she was also in the scream queen TV show that we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is known to be like in the, like you said, a female actress at works primarily in horror movies or did at the time. So well, she's, she's time. most famous for her horror movie roles. Yeah. That's fair. And true lies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's great. Anyway, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and then Adrian Barbeau, who was also in Swamp Thing, um, Escape from New York. Oh, that's the same lady from Escape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The okay. uh, Creep Show, Cannibal Women of the Avocado Jungle of Death. <laughs> um, and then Janet Lee, who was in Psycho, who is also Jamie Lee Curtis's mother in real life. Okay. And uh, Nancy Loomis, who was also in Halloween, and she was also in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Nice. So uh, this movie was budgeted for $1 million. What do you think it made at the box office? I know Kadish probably already knows. Yeah, okay. I'll take it because I'm terrible at this game. Yeah. And me and- Everybody Va- is. Yeah, me and, Vader, <laughs> me and Vader normally go back and forth with a little funny banter about how much money it made. But uh, seeing that it's a John Carpenter movie, I feel like it probably did pretty well. I'm going right. to say it made at least $40 million. Okay. And Vader would say $1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so budgeted for $1 million in the box office, it made $21.3 million and then another $7 million in rentals. Nice. Okay. Um, so basically this movie is about a radio station owner who plays music and reports the weather from her lighthouse in the sleepy coastal town of Antonio Bay. On the 100-year anniversary of the town, ghost pirates in the fog come back to exact revenge on the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say off the start before I forget, mm-hmm. what a freaking radio voice this lady had. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, she has her own podcast. Does it's she really? It's a Shudder original podcast. I think it's called She Kills. Oh, apparently it's very boring. Oh, that's a shame. I, tra- a- I tried to listen to a couple of episodes. I couldn't get into <laughs> does it. Does she still have a good voice though? She does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah she's in her like 60s or yeah. 70s now. It's because, so for, for context, Jude and I are kind of like, or she, Jude more than me, but we're both kind of breaking into the voice acting thing. Mm-hmm. And like, we love listening to people who have really good voices mm-hmm. and the actress in this movie, she's a radio DJ. And, uh, I have to say, man, like she had the silkiest voice. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's great. And it was funny. Cause it was kind of a joke inside the movie is she was in like communication with, uh, with the weatherman in the town yeah. and they would kind of like banter back and forth over the radio and over the phone, over the phone sorry. And, uh, they kind of like were hitting on each other a little bit and he was talking about how nice her voice was and whatnot. I just was like, yeah, man, he's got a great voice. Yeah. It's cool. You know, it's kind of funny. So you guys know I'm a huge John Carpenter fan yes. because I'm a film nerd. What? Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about John Carpenter movies before on the podcast. Yeah. So like this was like his follow-up to Halloween, The Fog. And I guess you could call it his sophomore slump because there was like a lot of issues with this movie. Yeah. But There were the, a lot of reshoots with this. Yeah. But one of the most interesting things was that, so Adrian Barbeau, was John Carpenter's wife fiance at the, at the time when, when they shot this. And one of the weird things is that, so John Carpenter's producing partner, longtime producing partner, Deborah Hill, I believe her name was. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. They were married. I was thinking of um, the howling. Sorry. Yes, I'm always right. So um, it's just an opportunity for me to point out that I was wrong and you're right. Mm -hmm. Don't be a hysterical woman now, (laughs) which, you know, we're going to talk about in a a, a little bit. 
That wasn't a sexist remark. That was, a, that was a callback to one of our other shows. Movie reference. Introducing the new three-for-one bundle from Xfinity. Save big on unlimited internet and streaming when you add Xfinity Mobile. Go to Xfinity.com slash three-for-one, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future, too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Yeah. All right. So, um, so Deborah Hill, who was John Carpenter's longtime producing partner, so they were married um, back in in the early days of John Carpenter's career. And they came up with the idea for The Fog when they were, uh, I think, in the UK promoting uh, Assault on Precinct 13. And they went to Stonehenge. And while they were at Stonehenge, um, John Carpenter saw this, like, you know, basically wave of fog come come over the hills and mm, kind yeah. of envelop Stonehenge where they were at. And he was like, ooh, that'd be kind of cool to make a movie about, like, this haunted fog. And um, some... You know, at some point, him and Deborah Hill divorced. And when they were making this movie, you know, he cast Adrian Barbeau, who was his wife, you know, like he remarried. And they were using the same crew that they had used for like all their other movies. And so like there was a lot of like tension on set where, you know, the crew was like, how dare he set aside Deborah for this <laughs> this floozy, you know, that, because like this was Adrian Barbeau's first movie. Like she'd never done a movie before. Yeah. And so people thought like, oh, she's sleeping with the director to get like, you know, this part yeah, and all this stuff. A little bit of nepotism going on. Yeah. And so John Carpenter actually had to like book her like a separate hotel room from him. Oh, because they were haggling her? Well, he didn't want to give the impression to the crew that he was- Favoring like, her. Yeah, favoring her and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a really like kind of tense- um, mm. situation uh, in the making of this movie. And that also goes on to explain the fact that like when this movie was completed, John Carpenter watched the rough cut of the film and he was like, this is the worst movie ever. Oh. <laughs> He's like, I'm embarrassed to be associated with this film. And so like they had to go back and, you know, it was a very small budget. I, th- I think Halloween was made for like $300,000 and this was like the next step up at a million dollars. So it was still low budget, but It was was like like low end or high end of low budget. Exactly. So like anything over a million dollars is no longer considered low budget, at least like around the time this movie was made. Yeah, in the 80s. Basically, John Carpenter spent another $100,000 to go back. And the issue was that, so like he had kind of pioneered the slasher horror genre with Halloween, which, you know, had like these like jump scares and gruesome deaths and blood and, you know, violence and stuff like that. And- the more fog, too. yeah, and the, <laughs> the fog was really meant to be more of an atmospheric kind of like creepy feeling movie yeah. as opposed to like, you know, ooh, let's scare you. Mm-hmm. But apparently it didn't work at all. I would, I all say it is atmospheric yeah. and, and that's about it. Honestly, like, like, literally, literally atmospheric. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, the opening credit sequence where you're kind of like going around the town, it's about midnight, you know, the, you got the voiceover on the radio and they're like, it's 12 minutes after midnight here at KAB or whatever. Yeah, And the old and man the, is like five minutes to midnight. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a ghost story. Yeah, exactly. It's a great story, but it doesn't translate into the film. Exactly. The film is boring. It's not scary. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell like the parts that they went back and reshot and, and added them into mm-hmm. the, like the whole opening scene with the old man telling the kids, the ghost story, mm-hmm. like that was added after the fact. And 
you know, John Carpenter, he's one of those guys who he really takes his time with a film. Like he, a lot of his films have, have like these very slow, almost like, you know, like, please get on with it elements to it. You know, <laughs> like we talked about when we were talking about um, they live that fight scene between Rowdy Roddy Piper <laughs> goes on forever. and yeah. And Keith David, that just, it's like 11 minutes long, you know, and, and it's not like, it's, it's not like one of those fast paced, like, no, it's yeah, like they, a slow quick burn. Cut. Yeah. They have the same scene in this movie, only it's just fog yeah. for yeah. 11 straight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's a, there's a whole scene where like it's Adrian Barbeau just walking down the steps to the lighthouse. It like goes on for like three minutes. Yeah. And, and you can tell that. So like, you know, in order for a movie to be considered like feature length, it has mm-hmm. to be like past like a certain like, 72 minutes. Yeah. And, um, so you could tell John Carpenter a, a lot of the padded this movie a little bit. Yes, <laughs> yes. A, a, a lot of the extra like long takes and slow pace of this movie was due to the fact that he was trying desperately to stretch it out to feature length. You know, I don't mind that that much though because there's something to be said about making an audience feel uncomfortable when there's long sequences of just like nothing happening and it builds a lot of suspense as long as you pay it off at the end. That's the key moment. Is like all this like walking down to the, to the lighthouse on these big, you know, huge staircase with the ocean in the background. If you do the right sound design and you have the right momentum to the camera movements and, and cutting at proper times and then paying it off later for like, Oh, there's that lighthouse again. And now there's something creepy going on. So it kind of, it builds anticipation for the audience. So I think sometimes that can work really well. But, but you know, like if you watch a lot of like direct to video independently produced um, movies, kind of like the stuff they watch on red letter media's best of the worst. Yeah there's this habit of like young independent filmmakers who churn out these direct to video release, like, you know, genre films, like especially horror where they just put in stuff of people doing things that don't need to be in the movie, like, <laughs> like long walks, like getting in the car, buckling their seatbelt, like starting the car driving for like a good five minutes <laughs> until they get to their destination type thing. And opening their mail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like taking a drink, setting the glass down and taking uh-huh. another drink, opening you know? <laughs> a, a drink, yeah. pouring the drink, exactly. <laughs> drinking the drink. I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I, I think that works. Sometimes. But, but I, I think that was like an outgrowth of the time period in which this was made. Like, you know, cause it was shot in 79 and released in 1980. And, um, you know, back then there was just like this different mentality of, of like what you could expect from the pace of a movie. Yeah. Uh, movies were much more slower paced back then. I think um, like a lot of the stuff in Halloween too, like after the opening scene, uh, there, there's just a lot of stuff of like just people walking around on the sidewalk and the camera following them. You know? <laughs> so, so, so like it's kind of in keeping with like this idea of like, okay, we're going to drag this movie out. We're going to have it be a slow pace and we're going to have it be like a slow build. But I don't know, like, like this movie just, it's not scary. It's not scary. Movie. It's not scary, but I think that was more, I don't know. To me, there was more the fault of like the um, kind of some of the like low budget props, the mummy, the the monster things weren't really that scary looking no. in the first place. They're zombie pirates, zombie pirates, zombie like, ghost. Honestly, pirates. I, I half expected <laughs> Jeffrey Rush to pop out and be like, you best start believing in ghost <laughs> stories. Miss Turner. You're in one. Like I was like, where's Jeffrey Rush? Come on. <laughs> like, I think honestly, this movie, if it was made again today, exactly the same way with the, with some updated um, uh, computer graphics and with some better acting coming from the, the zombie pirates, like, 
I think it could be scary. On paper, this sounds good. There's like mm-hmm. a really cool kind of creepy history to the town that they're mm-hmm. based in where this town got together and like decided that they were just going to murder a bunch of people at well, one point. Okay. So the, the, let's talk about that for a minute. So yeah. what is the premise for why this is happening? Why are these zombie pirates coming back? So the mythology behind this was that there was this group of, of, of settlers who came to this area of the United States who are like religious Puritans. Yeah. Okay. And when they landed in this area, when they founded the town a hundred years ago, yeah, they, they were going to start up their own little settlement. Um, but they were very poor and they were just kind of working the land. And there was this ship that came in and it was led by this very rich leper. He was a businessman, but he had leprosy. And so like he came with like a group of lepers where he was going to um, basically found a leper colony. Mm-hmm. And not only were the settlers kind of upset that, you know, leprosy. <laughs> yeah, like don't bring that evil upon us. Yes. <laughs> but, but, but they also saw like how, how, how much wealth he had. Like he had a ship full of gold. So the townspeople get together and they decide to murder these people, not only for their own safety, but also to get the gold from the ship and use that gold to basically build their town. Yeah. And so one of the conspirators to do this, like he was keeping a diary and he was kind of like talking about his reservations for doing it. And then like after the fact, he sits down, he kind of like writes down what exactly happened, which was, you know, they got together, they slaughtered everyone um, who was on the ship and stole all the gold. And then this guy ends up stealing that gold because he feels guilty for what they did and hiding it away from the town. And uh, that's kind of like the the basis of this. And then 100 years to the day that this tragedy happened is when this movie starts. Okay. So now that we've kind of explained the premise, we've explained a little bit of the backstory behind the scenes drama that was going on. How did we actually feel about this movie? Jude, did you enjoy it? Was it at least entertaining to you or was it just like bad? I don't want to watch it again. Um, I'll never watch this movie again, okay. but um, I feel like it's one of those classic movies that if, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, like if you're Kadish and you've been to film school yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you, if you pride yourself on being a person who likes classic movies, this is a watch, Yeah. but I found it very boring and I didn't think it was scary at all. I, um, I get really irritated when people do stupid things especially in horror movies. It's just like, dude, get up. There's like, there's a scene where the, uh, this like, he's probably like what? Nine years old kid. Oh, the kid. Yeah. 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 He's sitting on a bed and a pirate is ghost pirate, pirate, uh, has already killed his babysitter and is busting down his bedroom door with his hook. And the kids just sit on the bed looking scared. I'm like, get up, get out the window. The window's literally right behind you, kid. Are you really just going to sit on the bed? He's just like, oh dear, oh, the pirate's going to get me. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, know. get like, up. You don't think like a nine-year-old kid would just freeze just out of fear? It might, eh, I can see that happening. One of the things I forgot to mention was that um, when the townspeople like went and killed this ship full of lepers. Yeah. They did so, they waited for the fog to roll in so they could sneak up on them. Oh, okay. And so because all the people died in the fog, the fog has to come and envelop, you know, places in order for the ghosts to appear. Yeah. Like they can't appear outside of the fog. What happens in the fog stays in the fog. Exactly. Okay. Let's, I just want to talk about the fog for a second. I do not understand the thinking behind making the fog glow. (laughs) <laughs> like at one point in time, there's a, Cause it's ghosty. I, I get that it's ghosty, but it looked like a neon, like open sign coming in from the ocean. I was like, what party? It'd be, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, the big reason for that is because so, so the fog only comes in at night and if it's not glowing, you can't see it. 
it was just a practical thing where like they, they, they were like know. we ha- we have to make the the fog more you know pop just, more on screen. Alex, it was 1980. Yeah, but just <laughs> no, 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 that's not an excuse. There's some legit good movies in the 1980s that have great effects and great usage of uh, lighting. Were they? Did they cost more than a million dollars? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because don't because know. the whole well, th- we'll talk about creepazoids in a minute. Because the whole thing, with, <laughs> the whole thing with John Carpenter is like, you know, he was a guy who, because of his low budget filmmaking, he did a lot of practical effects. Yeah. And a lot of the fog in this movie is done from like fog machines. And they did like a lot of tricks. Like for instance, like they would, um, in order to get the fog to do the stuff they wanted, sometimes they'd film it in reverse. Um, and then like, you know, play it regularly yeah. in, in the movie and stuff like that. And so the only time it, it's really an optical effect is when you have like the big Vista shots of the ocean. And at the time that was like a lot of money to do that type of thing. So most of the time it's just basically practical fog with backlighting. Yeah. It just took me out of it because it didn't look realistic. And it just, I mean, like I get they were trying to go like for the ghostly, you know, supernatural route, but I just was like, that doesn't look like what I would have envisioned a ghostly fog coming in. Like, I feel like if they would just like amp up the lighting of the moon and kind of make it a little bit brighter just so that they could keep the fog more natural, I think it would have worked a little bit better, but yeah, I mean, I don't hate this movie. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was definitely low budget. And I, I, I can, I can understand that John Carpenter was like, this is not my best work. Yeah. Like I get it, you know, but I don't, I don't hate the premise. I think the, the lore and the backstory of the town murdering this group of people, I thought that was great. I'm like, that's an awesome, like ghostly revenge kind of setup. I, I thought it was awesome. Um, but yeah, just on, in the presentation and the way it came about, it wasn't very scary. Not great. Yeah, I, not mean, great. I mean, this movie was not the best planned out movie in terms of like story wise, <laughs> because I, I mean, like you can just see that with John Carpenter's disappointment with the initial rough cut where basically he had created this genre of like slasher films with yeah. Halloween. And now he was competing with people who were like taking the genre he created and like, you know, really amping it up. And because this was his follow up to Halloween, a lot of people were expecting more blood and gore and like, you know, jump scares and stuff. And the initial version of this didn't have it. And so he was in a weird position where he was basically having to compete with himself Mm -hmm. in terms of like what he had established as like, you know, the quote unquote horror movie tropes of the eighties. And so when he went back to, you know, make it scarier, like he was adding in like more gore, more like, you know, kind of like, Oh, there was a severe lack of blood. Yeah. (laughs) There There was scenes in this movie where literally the zombie ghost pirates or whatever would like run a person through with their cutlass and, no blood whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm like, could you just get some like ketchup packets or something? Like it was very lacking in the blood and gore department, which I think maybe could have upped the shock value a little bit and maybe made it a little scarier. Um, yeah. I think that was one of the issues that Carpenter was struggling with because like a lot of the slasher movies that were coming out in this era were very bloody. Yeah. And so like, you know, when he made his initial draft of this, like there wasn't like a whole lot of like, violence or blood or anything like that. And so like when he amped it up, like he just didn't make it very bloody because I think that they probably didn't have it in the budget to yeah, make the fake blood. I bet you that's a hundred percent what it was. We didn't have the budget to do it or the probably the time if they're doing research and reshoots. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I thought it was worth a watch. If you're into these kind of like eighties yeah, B horror movies, it's not the worst thing in the world, which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> But it's definitely not the greatest thing. It's not like the thing or anything like that. Well, uh, the, it, you know, the interesting thing about this movie is like it, it costs so little to make that the um, the production company, which uh, was Avco uh, Embassy, and they were the ones who basically like after Halloween, they signed Carpenter to like a two picture deal. And, and from that, he made this movie and Escape from New York. Mm. And um, 
because it was such a low budget movie, they were able to pump in like twice the amount of the budget into the marketing of this film. So like overall, like they spent like $3 million on this movie Mm -hmm. and they made back like, you know, over 20 million bucks. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's a huge return on investment. So this movie was a success, but it wasn't like a creative success. I guess you could say. So here's some other movies that can also came out in the same year as the fog, the shining. Oh, wow. Well, that's a Kubrick though. He's on a different level. Friday the 13th. Okay. The Changeling. Motel Hell. <laughs> Prom Night, also with Jamie Lee. Gotcha. Terror Train, also with Jamie Lee. <laughs> so he had some stiff competition then. Yeah. 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 And, and can we point out that of the three movies we're reviewing this week, uh, this one had the trifecta. Like it had three Scream Queens in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Adrian Barbo, and... Um, Oh, Jamie Lee's uh, mother, Janet Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's it's kind of interesting. So like, let, let, let's just talk briefly about uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. She looks 14. She does look very young. Yeah. I think she was. She we, was like we, 20. We, yeah, we did the when math. She, made this. Uh, she was like yeah. 20. She looks so young though. She made this, I think two years after she made Halloween. Yeah. And she looks much older in Halloween than she does in this movie. Well, mm-hmm. she couldn't get any work after Halloween. And so John Carpenter wrote this role was specifically for her uh, originally like you know the role of this hitchhiking girl yeah, it's a little shoehorned it is <laughs> there's really no no need for her to be in this no, in this movie she, at all completely she's pointless just character. arm candy yeah the, yeah the original script it was all about the the radio lady yeah um, yeah that adrian barbeau played and so um because jamie lee was having such a hard time finding work john carpenter basically was like well you know i'll throw you a bone you know like i'll, I'll write a part just for you and what's weird about it is like the kind of like the the main, I guess you'd call him the hero of this movie. Um, his name's Nick Castle, but he's played by Tom Atkins. And um, originally uh, the role was offered to Kurt Russell, but he turned it down. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's a John Carpenter movie. Every yeah. role has to be offered to Kurt Russell. Yeah. First. <laughs> uh, but Tom Atkins, it, it, it's funny. So like the, the first time we meet Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie, Tom Atkins is driving his truck down a road. And she's hitchhiking. And she's hitchhiking. And so he, he pulls did. over, he, he lets her in. And the first thing that she asked him is, is like, you know, are you a weirdo or something you, like yeah. that? And, and he just kind of looks at her and he's like, oh, I'm very weird. <laughs> and, and, and she's like, oh, immediately yeah. are in bed. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, I, I was, I don't know if I was, I was like sidetracked or not paying attention, but it was like, they meet, they hitchhike. She's like, you're not weird, are you? And yeah. they like do a little weird banter. But, but, but then like the, and then, the windshield gets blown out yeah. mysteriously. Yeah. And, and, and then, then they. They, it cuts and they end up in sleeping mm-hmm. together. And I'm like, yeah. And he looks 47. Oh my god! She looks 14. And oh. we were like, we need to pause this and, and Google for a second. How old was she? Need to do some math on yeah. this one. So, so and like, I think he actually was 47. He's so, so yeah, old. Tom, Tom Atkins was, was in his 40s mm-hmm. when, when they made this. I think he was like 43 or 44. Wow. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in her 20s. So like there was a good like 20. I think she was gap. barely 20. She yeah. was like 20, 21. And and, and like. And it's funny because Tom Atkins, like he looks way older than 40 yeah. in this movie. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's just like the the mustache or like what, but it's like, every, it's all these movies or the, the howling too. We're talking about in a minute, but the, the main character from the howling also looked really old. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was supposed to be, or if he actually was, 
I think but it's just mustaches. It's mustaches mustaches look at, make guys look way older than they are. That's mustaches, why teenage boys always grow mustaches so that they can try and go buy beer. Right? Yeah. Mustaches. Like, and, oh, I and, totally look 21. And feathered hair. Mustache and feathered hair immediately adds 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's a panty dropper. <laughs> but, but, but it's funny because like Jamie Lee Curtis's character, like she's just kind of like, she's a drifter. She's just going from town to town. She doesn't really she's have like She's a drifter. She she's a young girl hitchhiking. Yeah. She's not, well, well, like, she's like, not from the town though. She's a gypsy. She, well, I mean, like, she doesn't have a home. She's homeless. So she, yeah. she's just like hitchhiking. She's just run away from Is there a backstory to her? She I don't think so. No, not just, really. Yeah, they, like literally just dropped this person yeah. in the middle of this movie for no and, reason. And like the entire time, so like um, Nick Castle, uh, played by Tom Atkins. What a like, name. Like he's going to like all these places, finding like, you know, these dead bodies and these derelict ships and stuff like that. So he's kind of like, you know, leading the action. And Jamie Lee Curtis is just along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, hey, can she I She just hangs come? out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Can I come and scream at once in a while? Yeah. When they were in the morgue, that scene where she's just sitting there and the the uh, body gets the up. body gets up and like mm-hmm. starts walking towards her and then just inexplicably falls over. I was, I'm like the ghost pirates made him get up so that he could write the number three on the floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, <laughs> because basically, um, so like there's this thing where after the town was cursed by the the dead lepers, there were six people who committed the atrocity, the initial crime, who, who killed all these people. And so when the fog comes back, um, the curse is that six must die. And it's usually people who uh, were relate, like ancestors of the initial yeah. like people who committed the crime. And all this is revealed by Hal Holbrook, who plays a, a drunk priest, um, <laughs> where he, he finds like his ancestor's diary, which was kind of hidden in the walls of, of the church that, you know, he works in. And it's funny because like uh, his assistant is played by John Carpenter. He has like this little cameo at the beginning of the movie. Yep. And it's so funny because, you know, John Carpenter, basically his only line is like, hey, uh, can I get paid? And, and Hal <laughs> Holbrook just like pours himself a drink. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's kind of funny because Hal Holbrook, like he's just like. No, he's a pretty accomplished actor, but in, in this movie, that he just like does absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of wondered if he was actually drunk on set <laughs> while he was shooting this because he kind of looked like it. All right, so let's do uh, let's do some final thoughts around the table. Jude, uh, do you suggest people watch this movie? Do you, do you think uh, it's any good? Nah, uh, it's just a flat line for me. Did I hate it? No, but it's really boring. Okay. So I mean, if you if you want to know. About it, I guess if you like classic movies, this is one of them. So I guess it's worth a watch, <laughs> but you're not going to enjoy it. Just right. just power through while you're like doing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kadish, uh, what do you got? What do you got for final thoughts? Well, as a John Carpenter fan, like you're going to want to watch this movie if, if you like John Carpenter movies. Because, I mean, it's part of his kind of early 80s lexicon back before like, you know, he started making really bad movies. <laughs> like it's not a bad movie per se, but it's not like the best movie. It's yeah. just, for me, it's very middle of the road. I'd probably give it two stars out of five. So I, I wouldn't recommend people check this out because it's not a good horror movie mm-hmm. or anything like that. And in terms of like John Carpenter movies, it's very kind of run of the mill. It's, it's also, I think he's been on record as saying like, it's the movie he's most disappointed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's made some fantastic movies. So um, that says a lot. Um, and he's also made some terrible, terrible ones. So to say that he's disappointed in this one, as opposed to something like ghost of Mars or something like that, uh, <laughs> says a lot, but I, th- I, I think that this movie had like a lot of potential, which is why when it was remade, like a lot of people were very excited about it. Cause it, this has kind of 
become like a cult classic in a way. Like there are people who just like, you know, obsess over this movie for yeah. some reason. And um, like when the remake came out, I remember I went and saw that in the theater. I was like, oh my God, this is not good. <laughs> like, like, I, 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 would, I would say the original is actually better than the remake. Wow. That's wow. Yeah. I really? think that's yeah. what all the critics said too. Yikes. <laughs> I, I mean, like I, I was a fan of Tom Welling from his Smallville mm -hmm. uh, days as Superman. And uh, I liked, uh, was her name Maggie Grace? I think so. From, uh, from Lost. And Deborah Hill came back and actually she was the one who produced that movie. And it was the last movie she produced before she passed away, unfortunately. Um, but like, it was one of those like weird, I want to say like late nineties movies where like they were using every computer generated effect they could think of. Like all the fog was CGI. They didn't use any practical fog or anything yeah. like that. The and fog it, it, had like faces in it too, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it didn't look good. Um, like it was shot with this kind of like sickly green tint to it. <laughs> Um, because like that, that's what's scary. Yeah. You know, the, the color green. I'm going to, I'm going to say that I think I'm going to pull like a Vader. I do think this movie should be remade, but done well. I, I think another movie could be like based in 2080, well, right? They, they in the future. Did, it's a hundred years after this movie took place. They kind of did that with the mist though. Cause like these oh, are, the mist was great. The mist is basically the same movie. The Stephen King movie. Yeah. Oh, that that's not at all it's, the same movie. It's not at all. It's the same concept though. It's it, just has it, fog it, in it. Yeah. yeah well, that's well, the only, well, it's basically this mist it's comes way into town scarier, and though. the mist has monsters in it. Yeah. Yeah. The but, monsters attack people. Like, I mean, this, this is the same movie. You like giant mutated bugs though. Go watch the mist instead of the fog. Hire the same people. People that did Pirates of the Caribbean and do the ghost <laughs> pirate thing. I think it would be a good yes. remake Jeffrey if they Rush. did a spoof. Yes. In the fog. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they did a spoof on on the fog, that would be a movie I would watch. I don't even think a spoof would be necessary. I just think if they actually like amped up the zombie pirate thing a little bit and you could even like show zombie the zombie ghost pirates, zombie ghost pirates and amp that element ghost up a little bit and make them more of a force and, and something that just like wipes out this town. Like, I think, I think it I, I really love that shot at the end where like the ghost pirates are all in the, sh in the uh, church and uh, their leaders kind of like just up front. He's got the glowing eyes. Yeah. And, like I, I really love the, the images of the ghost pirates in this movie because they're always shrouded in the fog. They're just yeah. these like dark silhouettes, they're backlit. Mm -hmm. And I just found them very creepy. Yeah. Um, they weren't scary, but mm -hmm. like, but like they really struck a striking like image on screen. Like I thought that it, and e even on like the cover of the, of the movie, the poster where you have like, you know, the, the backlit green glow and like these silhouettes of like these ghost pirates in there. And it's just like, Ooh, that, that, yeah. that's very creepy. Yeah. It could be done. I, I still believe it could be done well. Yeah. So if you want to see what John Carpenter's uh, rock bottom looks like, <laughs> check this movie out. If uh, not, this is not give it a rock pass. Bottom. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for the 1980s movie, The Fog. Uh, I guess you could go check it out. I'd say just go check it out. <laughs> Give it, it's a two-star movie, but it's kind of, you know, it has if, things If you're bored it. and there's nothing better to watch, yeah, check it out. If you're like quarantined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we move on to the next movie, I wanted to let you guys know that you guys can go to saltynerdstore.com and pick up some of our merch. We have a lot of cool stuff there. If you like the boys, I just made a design that says, I heart black noir. Um, we've also got a bunch of uh, call outs to older episodes of the podcast. There's a yeah. peck and pause sticker or t-shirt. You we've can get got the shirt that Jude's wearing right now. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, we also have a shirt that says original scream queen that I designed for Jude and she's wearing it right now. It looks great on you. And uh, you guys can pick that up too. Stop and hitting on my fiance. I'm not <laughs> 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 sorry. She's a redhead. Um, 
if you guys want to go there and pick up some cool merch, anything that we get uh, out of your purchase goes directly, like I said, into uh, back into the podcast, either buying new equipment or uh, helping us make better and more entertaining content for you guys. So yeah. our, our goal is to get a camera set up in here so that we can start putting like a video version of the podcast up on yeah. YouTube. So any money you want to throw our way, it goes towards buying that equipment and making that a reality. Yep. So if you want to help us out, that's a great way to do it. Saltynerdstore.com. We love help. Yeah. <laughs> we love money. We heart help. Um, okay. So next on the list is The Howling. Ow. I freaking love this movie. I love this movie. I'm so glad you love this movie. So damn Kadish good. Kadish hates it. He's a what? jerk. How dare you, <laughs> sir? It wasn't good. Robert Picardo. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he worked before Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was his first movie. It was great. So good. I had so much fun. He's like weirdly sexy as a werewolf. Oh, okay. As a serial killing <laughs> yeah. perverted <laughs> werewolf. That's, that's, my, that's what I like, babe. <laughs> good to know. Thing. Good to know. <laughs> the doctor from Star Trek Voyager plays like a uh, Manson, what's his name? What's his first uh, name? Eddie Quist. Eddie Quist, right. He plays like this Manson-esque uh, serial killer who happens to be a werewolf. And yeah. Jude, why don't you set up the movie before we get too deep into it? Because me and you are going to gush over this movie. Great. I freaking loved I it. I can't wait. Go ahead. So, and just so you know, like we watch these movies and we refuse to talk to each other about these movies. So <laughs> my 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 excitement at Alex's uh, joy of this movie is uh, it's it's real. It is funny. We, we, we have to have like the... the Chinese wall where like, yeah. like we don't talk to each other about the movies until we get to the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if we do like, like all the, we've already said all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> less, there's less energy for yeah. the podcast. So we yeah. save everything we can. We don't talk to each other for an entire week. Not the Chinese <laughs> wall. Iron, iron curtain. Yeah. Is what I meant. Alex show, shows up usually about 30 minutes before we start recording. And sometimes we'll be like, Oh, how about that? Yeah. No, we can't <laughs> save it for the save pod. Save it. <laughs> all right. So the howling, uh, 1981 starring D Wallace, who was also in the 77 version of the Hills have eyes. She was in Cujo E. T. Critters, the Frighteners, the mom and E.T. Yeah, she she's a a huge um, scream queen. Um, So she plays a news reporter that's stalked by this werewolf that we were talking about. His name is Eddie Quist. Um, And they um, they suspect this guy of being responsible for serial kills. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Serial kills? Murders. Yeah. A string string of murders. A string of murders. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And he becomes obsessed with her character, whose name is Karen. No jokes. Um, And uh, starts corresponding with her. And so the news station that she works for um, convinces her to meet with him. And yeah, they get, yeah, yeah, go undercover and meet with him. And they get the police involved. And she's wearing a wire. But of course, the sound cuts out the signal. They lose the signal. They lose her. And she ends up with this werewolf in a, um, in a like porn, a dirty movie. Yeah, a dirty movie booth, porn shop. And he's about to and turn her into a werewolf. My and goodness. Then finally, the police find her. She's watching, like, straight up watching a snuff film. A snuff film, it yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I couldn't believe that they actually, like, showed a lot of that in the movie itself. Yeah. I well, that's where Kadish and I had our first date. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me at this place. We're going to watch a snuff Dirty film movie together. booth. And I was sold. Yeah. Man. I mean, that's, that's how you get the girls. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I learned, learned that from Robert De Niro and taxi driver. There yeah. You go. yeah. So, so the police finally find her and she screams when she, she, um, Eddie doesn't let her look at him yeah. while he's talking to her. He's making her watch this movie. And then finally he says like, um, basically he's telling her I'm going to turn you into a werewolf, but she doesn't know really what he said. Yeah, he he's just saying, very, he's like, saying, I'm going to light your body on fire, yeah, yeah. which is kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, he, and then finally, like you can hear his voice changing and you, and you know, like he's as the, turning. as the person, as the audience member, you know, he's turning into a werewolf, but she doesn't. And she turns around and she starts to see that he's changing and she screams and the police find her and they just kill Eddie. Yeah. This young cop shows up and just lights him up. And it, well, he doesn't even like, like he just shoots through the door and I was, yeah. I was like, he could have hit her. Yeah, like, what, exactly. What's he doing? Well, I, I like the fact that the, the older uh, officer was like quick draw McGraw. Yeah, over, quick here. Draw <laughs> over here. Like they called him out for being an idiot. Yeah, like, put your gun away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so um, she's traumatized after this and she can't do her job. She can't remember anything. She can't remember anything. She's just having nightmares. So um, her psychiatrist recommends that she go to his colony. Yeah, this retreat. This, re- yeah, on this retreat to relax after having had this happen yeah. to her, it, and it's hopefully kind of, she kind gets like her memories back. Like a new back. age health spa. Yeah. That, that's like out in the wilderness, and yeah. it's secluded from you know the big city. And basically, he has a lot of patients there that he's treating, and so like. And whoops! It turns out they're all werewolves. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we we talked about the premise of this movie and kind of set it up. Um, I just. I really enjoyed how they kind of like mapped this whole sequence out because it felt really natural. Yeah. It felt like this could actually happen. I feel like this movie still holds up yes. to this day and everything looks great in it. Like nothing's too, too dated. A couple of hairstyles, yeah. but honestly, like everything looks great. I I sit, still really enjoy watching this movie. Yeah. The werewolves look terrible, but what? it's really, it's really hard to make a good looking werewolf. Oh, no, I totally disagree. Like I judge like a, a werewolf movie to me is it, it gets it either lives or dies off of how good the werewolves get pulled off. Like the old, like old, old version of werewolves where it's just a dude with a bunch of hair on his face. Like I hate those kind of werewolves. I, I just think all werewolves look terrible in every werewolf movie. It's, it's really hard to but make a fact, good looking one. The guys with hair on their faces, they're known as wolf mans. Oh, not werewolves. Sorry. Wolfman. Yeah. The wolfman, the wolfman version of werewolves is not, it doesn't sit well with me, but these, well, okay, we'll we'll just talk about it. We'll just get right to it. Well, let's do budget first. Oh, budget. Okay, okay sorry. So budgeted for $1 million, so the same budget as The Fog. The fog. What do you think it grossed? Um, well, it spawned like a ton of sequels. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess it made a bunch of money. I'm going to say 55, 000, uh, 55 million. 17.9. That's it? Yeah. What? It made less than uh, The Fog. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? This is a great movie. Yeah. Wow, but it, but okay. it, was, it was still considered a success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- I'll, I'll take yeah, seventeen million dollars. Directed by Joe Dante. Okay, of Inner Space mm-hmm. and um, I hated Gremlins. That movie. Gremlins, and I yeah. also hate that movie. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of funny watching this one because, like, this was like his first big budget movie outside of his Roger Corman days, mm. and um, it's kind of funny to see like his cast of characters like show up. So, like, he has Robert Picardo in a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. He has Kevin McCarthy in a lot of his movies. Who's it plays like the sleazy Dick Miller sleazy producer. Yeah. Dick, Dick Miller. Miller is a treasure. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's kind of funny to hear how, how much Alex loves this movie, but he hates all other oh, Joe yeah. Dante movies. <laughs> He's an enigma. See, I go into these things. I don't pay attention to who the directors are or anything like that. I just watch the movie and then I find out typically from you later on that, Oh, this person did this movie and you hate it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, let's talk a little about consistency. Would be I, nice, Alex. <laughs> I love D Wallace in this movie. Oh, she's great. She, is just a joy to watch. Yeah, like she's so beautiful too. Yeah, she's she did a so great job beautiful and she's just so timeless too. She's vulnerable. Her performance is just so sincere and believable. I, I just love her. And she was engaged to her co-star, co-star whose name I can't remember um, at the time of filming. Dennis Dugan. Was that his name? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dennis Dugan. Yeah. So they, Craig, they, they're, played- ca- 
Chris Halloran. No, 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 no. Not him? Neil, her husband in the movie was her fiance. Oh, Christopher Stone. Bill Neal? Bill Neal, yeah. Um, So they were engaged in real life. And she didn't use his last name. Oh, yes, there it is, yeah. Christopher Stone plays Bill Neal, yep. Yeah. They get the guy with the mustache and the feathered hair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I just think that their chemistry is really believable also throughout the movie. And um, I know that when uh, they originally booked these roles, I know that it was a surprise to the makers of the film that they were engaged in it, and it, they were concerned that it would be a problem, but they were just so professional throughout the filming of this. And uh, it, it was never a problem. And in fact, it, it like added to their roles. Well, like their chemistry like a, was so great. She had a pretty steamy sex scene with another woman in this movie. So <laughs> I could understand. They're like, oh, what are we going to do about this? Also, Dee Wallace's career was really taken off around this time. Oh, she was on fire. Yeah. Like what, what movies did she line up? After she this? did E.T. right after this. She did like, like one every year. She did The Howling. And then the next year she did E.T. And then the next year she did Cujo. <laughs> Three years after Cujo is when she did uh, Critters. And she, she was just on fire for like, she had like a different big movie every year. All right. I want to talk about the werewolves. This okay. is my favorite part of this movie. Okay, <laughs> So I, like I said before, I kind of judge werewolf movies on how well they can sell the transformation from human to werewolf. And something about the 80s that we don't really get to see anything because everybody does like CGI nowadays but like the old school eighties movies where you see somebody turn and it's all practical effects and it's yeah. all makeup and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm all for it. I don't care if it starts to look dated, you know, 40, 50 years later, the fact that it was done practically, I love it. And the transformations in this movie are freaking legit. I do like, think that the Eddie's transformation is really cool yeah. to look at. However, it takes forever. I don't mind it. The more, <laughs> the better. I, like, I just, it took me out of it a little bit. It was cool to look at, yeah. but there's like a character. I think it's Terry. Yeah, she's watching this. She's it. just standing there watching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, it's funny is like during this, this time where like practical effects were getting like really pioneered and, and stuff like that. Like you saw this in Fright Night. You mm-hmm. see this in American Werewolf mm-hmm. in London. You see it in this movie where yeah. like they really want to show off like how amazing these effects are. And so like uh, a lot of these, you know, transformation scenes just take way too long. Uh, and, I'll, I and, justify, I'll tell you how and, I justify it in a minute. No, no, like I'm not saying they're not justified, but like, you know, at the time when these came out, like you'd be watching this and you'd be like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And yeah. then like nowadays, like when we're like, we've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. We watch a scene like this and we're like, okay, get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. See, the way I look at it is the, the reason why it takes so long is purely for the audience's benefit to watch this amazing special effect, which Katie just said. But in the real time of the movie itself, I think it happens a lot faster. And that's why the characters just kind of stand there and watch it happen. I think it's probably only a matter of seconds that it happens in the in the movie universe world or whatever you want to say. Um, but to us as the audience, we get to kind of watch the glory of this like crazy transformation. And that's why they kind of, you know, make it a little bit, stretch it out a little bit more. Well, you know, what's funny is like Robert Picardo. He has a very small role in this movie, but like his big scene was him, like his transformation scene yeah. where he shows up and he pulls the bullet out of his head and then like he turns into a werewolf. And at the time when they were doing this, like he had to be in the makeup chair for like hours. Like, yeah. like he was sitting like uh, he's, he's been quoted as saying like, you know, one day after spending six and a half hours in the makeup chair, I was thinking, you know, I trained at Yale. I had two, <laughs> two leading roles on Broadway. My fir- this is my first acting role in California, and my face gets melted in a low-budget horror movie. And, and, and he, he's like, he's like, you know, next time I'm just going to have to read the script through first <laughs> before accepting a role. <laughs> no, man, I love it. I love seeing Robert Picardo in these movies. It's really cool for me because, again, like I had no idea. I, that I he love had seeing it. Dick Miller. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I just love it when Dick Miller just shows up. And, he's just and, a delight. And, and like, he's such a jaded character in this movie where yeah. he's just like, look, pal, I just sell these books. I don't believe oh my you're going to buy anything. I wanted, I love that scene. It's so much fun. He's talking like, he, he knows all this information about werewolves, right? And he's like, yeah, I see. They, they, uh, they can transform anytime they want. See, that's all just myths. And I just, when in my head, I'm just picturing like one of those like old school noir movies. Like, yeah, don't you know anything? See? <laughs> and I was like watching that scene and they're like, so do you believe in all this? He's like, what am I, an idiot? <laughs> I'm just here to make a dime. Yeah. See? <laughs> here to make a buck. Yeah. And, and like his character. So like this movie was very much from the Roger Corman um, kind of school of filmmaking because Joe Dante came up through that. In fact, Roger Corman has a very brief cameo in this movie where he's the guy who goes into the phone booth after D. Wallace leaves at the beginning of the movie. And uh, Dick Miller was like, you know, a, a Corman holdover as well. And so like, it's kind of funny just seeing like Roger Corman's influence in this movie. Um, but, uh, you know, I think at the time, like the, the, the lighting and the effects of this movie were very groundbreaking. I know that, they had two competing werewolf movies this year, which was American Werewolf in London and this movie. They both oh, came right. out at, in the same t- at the same time. Both great movies. And uh, they both, ha- like Rick Baker was originally supposed to do the effects on this, but he went over to do American Werewolf in London. And so like he let his like protege come in and handle this movie. And uh, uh, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, both movies have like a very in-your-face transformation scene. And so the special effects guys were kind of competing to see who could do it better. <laughs> I think Rick Baker ended up winning because he got the Oscar for well, uh, American Werewolf. Yeah, I think we're doing American Werewolf. Is During next? Werewolf Week. For Werewolf. For Werewolf Week sometime uh, in October. I can't remember if it's next week or the week I after. it's next week. It might be next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't wait to really compare because I, I haven't seen The Howling before. I've seen American Werewolf in one London, but it's not. it's been a long time. So yeah. I'm going to look forward to kind of like comparing which one I think did it better. But I just, I love the transformation scenes in this movie. I love the... Um, when they're full werewolves, they have this really menacing stance where they're like eight feet tall, real big, like scary looking beasts. I love it when werewolves do that. The, um, another movie that did that too was Dog Soldiers. Yeah, this was like the first movie to show like full-blown werewolves yeah. as, as like standing upright. Yeah, the only thing I can say that didn't really sit well with me is I think the ears were a bit oversized because it, it they almost looked like rabbit ears. They were huge. It's a little nitpicky. It's a little nitpicky. Well, well, Jude said it looked like something from Donnie Darko. It did. Eh, Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But the close-ups of like the snarling faces and the teeth, like looked legit. I love it all. Like the the effects in this movie were phenomenal. I'm so glad you like this movie. And that scene where it's like, it's chasing after the girl and she grabs the hatchet and chaps the, the arm off. And I'm yeah. like, can we talk amazing. about her for a second? Cause yeah. no one gave a shit that she was dead. <laughs> so, was her name Terry? Was yeah. That the character? Poor that Terry. A, that was a gruesome death scene too. Yeah. It, she, it, she gets picked up by the werewolf and literally she, it just strangles her in yeah. midair. And she's then, on the phone with her boyfriend yeah. while it's happening. Yeah. And he like goes to the store first <laughs> and then gets gas. <laughs> And then drives up not there. Only does, not only does he get gas, but but he, he gets uh, you know class shamed while he's doing it. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, some of us have to work. Yeah, for some of us have to work for and a then, living, buddy. We then, don't all have Mazda Miatas. Finally, he gets up to the colony. And he's like face to face with Eddie, the the werewolf. And Eddie plays him a tape recording of him murdering the girlfriend. And he has zero reaction. Uh, and D. Wallace like finds Terry's dead body. She's just like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, she has like no reaction to that. No reaction. Nobody cares about poor Terry. And she has great hair. <laughs> That was a gruesome death scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great, uh, for like, as far as like a horror movie goes, it was 
really, really well done. But yeah, it is kind of weird. Like the whole gas station scene, I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, super that, weird. That, that was a weird, like, like they didn't have to show the character stopping to get gas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, it was a very weird scene. Very he stops strange. and gets some silver bullets, which were key. Yes. Well, well, he he, he stole that. them from Dick Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dick Miller is like running after him out of the story. He's like, hey, you gotta have those appraised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a good setup because the first scene with Dick Miller where, where he's like, yeah, some guy ordered these silver bullets over here and they yeah. like show them. Yeah. And it's like, but he never came and picked them up. So I, I just keep them. Yeah. You know, for like novelty's yeah, sake. Keep them for novelty's sake. Yeah. Uh, so it like, was a good setup. Nice little setup for that. Yeah. Set up and pay off. Um, yeah. The, and then once we get back to the colony after like things have already gone haywire. Oh, let's talk about the, uh, the sex scene real quick. This okay. is like, okay. So we have, let me make sure I get the actress's name right. Elizabeth Brooks plays uh, Marsha Quist. Yeah. Let, let, let me just set the stage for this. So oh. ba- basically um, D Wallace's character, because she's been so traumatized, like she hasn't been up to having sex with her husband. And so her husband's suffering from some pretty severe blue balls. Oh, please. And there, there's this <laughs> nymphomaniac. Who's, she's who's, a nympho. Uh, yeah. She's smoking hot and, and too. She, she's very attractive. <laughs> she's wearing leather yeah. yep. and, and, and so, bones. So like she kind of, she kind of <laughs> sets her sights on Bill Neal. And uh, he, and so like, she keeps trying to like, you know, like kiss him and like kind of tempt him. And, and at first he like resists, but then he gets bitten by a werewolf who I think was, it was her, know, was her. Mm-hmm. And as he's like kind of succumbing to it, he answers her call and they have like the craziest werewolf sex <laughs> by, by bonfire. Yeah. yeah. That, they start off. That's ever been filmed. Having sex as humans. And while they're doing it, they, they transform, transform into you, werewolves. And you get full frontal. Yeah. Uh, full frontal, 80s bush, everything. Yeah. I mean, where the hell is Vader, man? <laughs> is he still on the soundboard? <laughs> Boobs. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. We need to get him saying Bush. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a very graphic, not graphic in a bad way, but just like a very full front, like no shame whatsoever. Visceral. Visceral. Yeah, there you go. That's a good word for it. Um, sex scene. And I was like, oh my gosh, man. Like between mm-hmm. between the freaking like snuff film at the beginning, this movie just like goes like National Geographic. Yeah. And then they turn into wolves and they start doing it. And, and they start howling. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this was a, this was a pretty intense Why scene. Why don't you make love to me like that? <laughs> start howling in the middle of it. <laughs> Guys, nobody wants to hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> the two co-hosts of a local podcast are talking about their sex life. We might, we might actually get more downloads. If do. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. I just wanted to talk about that scene cause it was crazy. And I, I thought it was the, the weirdest part about that scene is like at the end where it, it's basically like the silhouette of them against the fire as they're howling to the moon. And it's like animated. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little stop motion, huh? It, it was animated. It was it was literally animation. Like a drawn animation. Yes. yes. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I, I know. I noticed it didn't look like real, but I didn't realize it was like a hand drawn animation. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Neat. Yeah. I didn't, before, I didn't mind it at all. No, I didn't either. The days before CGI. They Fun fact. Actually animates. <laughs> Kadish, what did you, why don't you like this movie? I just found it kind of boring. How um, dare you? And, and, and cheesy. Like, uh, I, I mean, like I can see like at the time, you know, the appeal of it, but probably the most interesting thing to me is that this is an adaptation of an actual book. So like, you know, yeah. the, the book, the howling was written by uh, an author named Gary Bradner. Brand, Brand, Brandner? I don't know. I don't know. But you know I, how terrible I am. With <laughs> <laughs> and Vader's not here to call yeah. you out on it. I'm just going to call him Brandner. Okay. I'll look it up. Yeah. So like, uh, so the, the novel, the howling is very different from the movie. And basically in the novel, the character that D Wallace plays, uh, Karen, 
she is happily married. She's newly pregnant. And the uh, kind of handyman at their apartment complex breaks into her house one day and rapes her. Like, it's a very violent rape. Yeesh. And um, because of the rape, um, complications with the pregnancy arise and, and she loses the baby. Ooh. And so she has, like, PTSD and all, all these, like, issues with the rape and losing the baby and stuff like that. And so the husband, Bill, decides to basically get her out of the city and take her up to this, like, secluded cabin by this, like, kind of dead town, basically. And, uh, you know, he just wants to give her time to, like, recover. And the reason it's called the howling is because every night they can hear, like, this weird howling sound uh, coming from the woods. And it it starts, like, kind of fraying on Karen's nerves. Mm Mm-hmm all this other stuff. And in the, in the book, uh, her husband is much more of a misogynist than he was in the movie. It's kind of like one of those things where basically like he keeps wanting to have sex and she's just like, no, like, yeah, after you know, something like, like, like that. Yeah. Because like after being raped, she, she just, you know, she hasn't healed from. Yeah. It I don't think you need to explain why. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so he's like, well, I'm not getting it here. So I'm going to go have an affair with this woman in, in, in town. Jeez. And, uh, you know, he gets turned into a werewolf, um, same, same as it was in the movie. And, uh, basically, uh, Karen finds out that like there are werewolves in the town and she tries to escape. She has her friend come up from the city with some silver bullets to get her out of there. And the, book basically ends with um with bill um because she didn't know he had turned into a werewolf it was kind of a surprise where like he turns into a werewolf and kills her oh geez oh wow uh, yeah and not so not a happy ending then for no, this book. <laughs> no but but the thing about the howling that made it interesting is like up until this point the only type of werewolf story was the classic universal monster like yeah. wolfman type werewolf and so what what Brandler kind of did was he he took it and he incorporated a lot of the original myths and made it more like the werewolves that we kind of picture today. Like he was the first guy to kind of do that. And so the book was was like a big hit. And when it got optioned to be made into a movie, the the way that they went about developing the movie was they originally stuck very close to the book. And they kept having issues where like the movie just wasn't working. Like the story just wasn't good. And when Joe Dante came on, he basically just said like, this book sucks <laughs> and he threw the book out and he kept like the basic premise of it where yeah. it's like, you know, you have this woman who suffers a trauma. She goes to this secluded town uh, that's filled with werewolves and eventually, you know, she has to escape from the werewolves. And so like they just used that as the loose framework to do everything else in the movie. Like in the book, there was no serial killer werewolf in LA. There was okay. no porn star or porn store showdown. <laughs> Uh, you know, the Dick Miller thing wasn't in there. Yeah. Like, it was like they added like so much stuff. And it was kind of funny because like at one point, uh, Joe Dante was doing some type of lecture at, I want to say it was like UCLA or some type of like film event and uh, where they had screened The Howling and he got up there and he was basically talking about the making of it. And he got up there and he was like, yeah, when I came on board, the script was terrible. And I read the book and the book was just awful. The book was you know, like, you know, he like started listing everything wrong with the book <laughs> and he was like, we got to change this. We got to change this because this is stupid and this is stupid and this is stupid. And then uh, during the Q and a, someone got up and he, they were like, so, uh, you didn't like the book. And, uh, Joe Dante was like, no, nah, the book was terrible. And the guy was like, yeah, well, I, I wrote that book. <laughs> it was Gary Br- uh, it was, uh, Bradner. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he kind of had like this, like they had never met 
uh, even though like, you know, the guy adapted his book. Yeah. So like they kind of had this weird, awkward face off oh, <laughs> after, uh, <laughs> after, you know, Dante basically just like trashed his book. Um, but um, I think of all the Howling sequels, the only one that stuck faithfully to the book because Radner actually went on to write like, I think four sequels to the book um, was the Howling four. So it took them like four movies to like get back to the source material, which I thought was kind of interesting. That's cool. But overall, like I can see Joe Dante's kind of influence on this movie where, you know, it was very cinematically made. Uh, it was low budget, but they were able to do some really like in your face special effects. It was very well shot for the most part. It was very well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a solid film. Um, I wouldn't call it scary necessarily. But it was kind of the time. I think it was scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's more shock value scary than it is like jump scare scary. Well, it's kind of mysterious too. Like the, the beginning of the scene where she's in that booth. That's, I think that's scary. Yeah. That's intense. Especially, I mean, I don't know, as, as a woman, do you kind of, it was a very uncomfortable scene. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a woman, do you think that was more scary for you? Because it's like, oh, what if that happened to me or something like that? No. No. Okay. But it is kind of funny, (laughs) like seeing Slim Pickens as like the, the yokel local sheriff, um, you know, seeing, um, John Carradine as like the, the crazy old man. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was like, I want to burn. I want to end this. Thing. Yeah. I want to die. Teeth are shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a one character, uh, played by Don McLeod is the actor's name. He was TC Quinst, which I guess he's the brother of the oh, main. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He looks like he was constantly in the middle of transforming into a werewolf. Right. Like his, <laughs> the actual actor's face just looks like you're about to turn into a werewolf. I think he might've actually been a werewolf. They cast actual werewolves <laughs> yeah, in this right? movie. He was so super creepy and he played that that part really well, but really then he's well. the one who got his arm cut off and yes. he was like, look what you did to my arm. No, it was by Terry. <laughs> yeah. By Terry. Yeah. The, the, the one kind of good hit that Terry got. In. <laughs> poor Terry. Oh, R.I.P. Terry. Terry. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause like, like about at the end of the second act is, is where basically Terry takes over as like the main character of the movie. Yeah. Cause D Wallace just disappears for like the, the section of the movie. And it's just Terry she's just traumatized. Yeah, yeah. Terry being hunted. And she's kind of, Terry's the one who's kind of like leading the investigation into Robert Picardo's characters, you know, like what, you know, where did he disappear to? Where's his body? Like stuff like that. And so like she, in, in a way, like Terry's more the heroine than, than D Wallace's character. For sure. Is. Yeah. And she ends up getting killed in a like, <laughs> gruesome way too. Um, all right. So final thoughts. I highly recommend this movie. If you're into werewolves, go watch it. It's freaking awesome. Rent it. It's on Amazon prime. That's where I got it. And, uh, buy it. Don't rent it. Buy, buy it, it. Buy it. Yeah. It's great. I, I love seeing Robert Picardo in these movies. Cause I, I honestly like, I th- what was it? What was the last movie that we watched that he was in? Was inner like, space. Inner space. I was like, is that Robert Picardo? Like, honestly, I've yeah. You're always tickled when Robert Picardo <laughs> shows up and stuff. That's the freaking doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the emergency medical. Program. Yeah. That's all I know him from. Like I grew up watching him in star Trek and I've, I never really explored his career. So when he pops up in these like classic eighties movies, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. He was also like a big Broadway actor. I wanna yeah. Say. He's classically trained. I mean, he, yeah, it's, he's a great actor. I got to meet him at the Star Trek convention. I got to take a picture with him. So I'm like, I, now that I know all this extra stuff, like his early career, I want to go back and be like, bro, <laughs> you were in the howling. I love that movie. And it's kind of funny seeing him with hair. Like, yeah. Like, like right? just like the big main, like, you know, like Jude said, she was like, Ooh, he's looking kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great movie. I highly recommend it. Go check it out. Jude, do you have any final thoughts on this one? hundred percent. Watch this movie. Yeah. That's it. Watch it every year. Every year on yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Go watch this movie. It was funny when we were when we were about to watch it, Kadish and I. Um, I had never seen it before. Really? It's your first time? Yeah, this oh, was my wow. first time. Yeah, he went to go buy it and he was like, oh, 
we already own this. And I was like, yeah, of course we own this. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, Candice, what's your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, <laughs> you know, like I hate to pull an Alex on this one, but it was just like, oh, it was all right. <laughs> That's a Vader. What are you talking about? I, I'm, I mean, um, it's not a bad movie. I'll just say that. But like, it just wasn't a movie that I found very entertaining. Didn't tickle your fancy? No. Kadish fancies himself a horror movie snob. Yes. So take that mm. into consideration. Well, I'll, I'll say it like, I feel like there are better werewolf movies out there. And from all the hype that I heard surrounding this movie, like I expected it to be much better than it was. And it just didn't feel like it was a very entertaining film for me. Mm. And, you know, I mean, there are people like you guys who go gaga over this movie. And <laughs> I can understand why. Um, I go gaga. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I just think that, you know, like I, I would probably give it two stars out of five. So like, I'd, I'd recommend it, but like, you're a hack. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, like, Oh, you have to see this movie. I'd be like, well, you know, if you're bored one night and you want to watch a horror movie. No, that's the fog. This one out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'd, I'd say the fog in this movie are pretty much on the same level. No, not even. You know, in, not in terms even. of like, you're full of shit. In terms of, <laughs> in terms of entertainment value, in terms of scare value, like they're both kind of like equal in my opinion. Okay. They have the same budget. Same and budget. they came out a year apart mm -hmm. and this movie is heads and tails a better watch than the fog. Yeah. I agree with Jude on this one. I think you're alone on that one. Uh, Vader is going to give it a four star because of boobs, <laughs> boobs, four and a half because of full frontal. Uh, yeah, the, the full frontal definitely, definitely upped that, it. In, in that Bush yeah. amped it up a half star. Yeah, I'm going to give him that. That's his score. <laughs> he can contest it next week when he comes I back. I can't believe like he missed this. I week, can't man. believe this it was so hit, like, like, like he, his wheelhouse. Yes, I couldn't believe it. He's like, I'm sorry, guys. I planned this like a couple weeks ago. I can't. I can't get around it. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm going to speak for him. Four and a half stars. And it, it was it was funny because like originally we were going to do Werewolf Week this week. But that was like Vader's pick. So yeah. like we didn't want to do it without him. So we decided to do this one instead because we're like, oh, like it was a, and in it was retrospect, the, the throwaway we one. We should yeah. not have yeah. done this without him. <laughs> but, but like we always think that we shouldn't do anything without Vader. Yeah, we shouldn't. Yeah. I hate he, doing he's, podcasts He's a with big him. part of the team. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, okay, so before we get on to our next movie, I want to remind everybody that if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcast at, don't forget to leave us a review. Uh, it helps the podcast out. It helps us get in front of more people. Uh, share it with a friend. Give us a, If you give us a five-star review, you can email us at saltynerdpodcast at gmail.com and, uh, and say, hey, dude, I just gave you guys a five-star review. Love your podcast. We will send you a couple stickers in the mail as a gift to thank you for leaving the review. And again, the more voices or the more people that listen to us, it helps grow the podcast, gets us more listeners. We can uh, then start morphing this into a full-time thing where we can offer you guys some great entertainment. Yeah, we, we, we like to say that like if you don't feel um, passionate enough about us to donate money or buy our merchandise or whatever, at the very least, like take a little bit of time, tweet out our new episode or share it on Facebook or like, you know, your socials, give us a review. Like it's, it's free to do. Yep. It's, it's easy. You know, it takes you two seconds and uh, just, you know, recommend us to friends because like, if you like our content, chances are your friends will like our content too. And we try really hard to give you a professional quality podcast and, and entertain you and have fun doing it and talk about stuff that yeah. People like to talk about. Hopefully we can provide a little bit of an escape uh, from this crazy, crazy world that we live in. Uh, but next on the list, we're going to be discussing one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Oh, come on. No, 
This, this movie one, was great. This is one of the worst movies <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. We are going to be talking about the night. It's 19- a very vague list. How many terrible movies have you seen? <laughs> we, once I started this podcast, this is one of the worst. We've, we've made you. We made you watch some pretty terrible movies. <laughs> some pretty <here>. terrible movies. <laughs> but, but, but none of them match. Uh, you, you know, Angry Red Planet. In my opinion, <sighs> no, no, no. That no, was no. the worst. No, no, no. That was a classic. Right. <laughs> and and it's funny because, like I said at the beginning, um, uh, the the hysterical woman joke. And it's kind of funny because, so when we watched Angry Red Planet, which was one of Alex's picks for a previous podcast. Retro rewatch. Retro rewatch. I think we have to do a part two of that. Come on. Um, so like <laughs> th- there was this 1960s, like low budget sci-fi film. And in it, these four astronauts, three men and one woman go to Mars. And the astronauts are so, treat this woman so terribly. <laughs> they just make her make them sandwiches. <laughs> and she's like a scientist. She gets attacked by an alien. They're like, you're a hyster- you're an hysterical woman. Yeah. So like there's an actual line where like they tell her to stop being a hysterical woman. Or was it her who said like, I'm, I'm sorry. She, yeah. She apologizes. Yeah. I'm sorry for being a hysterical woman. And so like that became kind of an in joke among us where every time we see something misogynistic happen on, in a movie, we're just like, Oh, she's being a hysterical, a hysterical woman. woman. <laughs> and, and like, I think in every single movie that we watched this week, Jude or I said like, oh, she's being an hysterical woman. Because <laughs> uh, they're just like, especially with the howling where yeah. like there, there were some parts where like the way they treated um, you D. Know, Wallace. D-, D. Wallace's character is it, it just like so like icky. Uh, you know, yeah. in, in term, like, expe- oh, yeah. It, she. So after she gets attacked, they make her go back out on, on screen and she like, she freezes and she can't do her job and her, like her producer or whatever yeah, on the show played, is like, I don't know, Kevin. maybe she's pregnant. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Played, played by Kevin McCarthy. I can't believe the, the I best, forgot. The best villain guy. I can't believe I forgot to mention this, but remind you reminded me there was a scene in the, in the howling at the very end is how the movie ends is she's been bitten by a werewolf uh-huh. and she's on the news and she's like, I have to warn the world that werewolves are real and she transforms into a werewolf on live TV, but she's like a cute little bunny rabbit werewolf. I know she looks like I'm a like, chihuahua. I'm like, what is this trash? <laughs> I couldn't believe, I can't believe I forgot to mention yeah. that. And, and the tragedy of it is that like, she does it to prove that werewolves are real. And like her friend has to kill her on like yeah, uh, yeah. On live TV. On the news. And yeah. then like everyone who's watching it's like, oh man, what they can do with special effects nowadays. Yeah. And nobody believes it. Yeah. yeah. It was like a tragic ending, but I like, I'm like, why didn't they make her look like a scary werewolf? Like all the other werewolves yeah. that we've seen in this movie. Cause it's D-Wall. She looked like a little, like a little puppy dog. Yeah, she like a little puppy dog. And I was like, what is this? Uh, anyway. All right. Moving on to the <laughs> next subject. Um, today's or the last movie that we're going to be talking about is the 1987. I don't even want to oh, call can, this a can, film. Can, can I finish my thing before you go into it? What what thing? We were talking about the angry red planet. Thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so like there are lots of instances in these movies where, you know, we were talking the about patriarchy yeah, rears its the, head. The, the patriarchy rears its head. <laughs> exactly. And, and we, we were doing the joke like, oh, she's being a hysterical woman. And that line uh, where Kevin McCarthy uh, in The Howling basically says like, like why is she acting like that? She must be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like Jude and I were just like, whoa. <laughs> so, so like all of these movies like have that kind of like, like weird undertone of like exploitation, misogyny, like stuff like that towards these characters. 
And you know, part of that's like, which just makes it fun. Yeah. It makes it fun. But but part (laughs) of that's like a, like a sign of the times in which it was made for sure. But our next movie is just straight up exploitation. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, Alex, what's the next movie we're going to talk about? Next movie that we're talking about is a 1987. I can't call it a film. It's just, (laughs) it's a 71 minute thing that happened. It's a 71 minute thing that happened. I refuse to call it a film. This is not a film (laughs) by any loose definition. (laughs) Um, It was called Creepazoids. And you guys had picked this movie. I'm not sure why exactly. I'll I'll tell you why. So first of all, um, of all the screen queens out there, uh, Linnea Quigley is my all-time favorite. And the reason for this is because when I was going through film school in college, all my best friends just, they love to get together every night and drink and watch really bad movies. And because of this, I was exposed to all these really bad movies. And my best friend, John, was in love with Linnea Quigley. <laughs> and I had no idea who she was before John kind of explained it to me. And one night he made me watch her workout video. She actually made it Linnea Quigley's horror workout I video. I can't believe you didn't introduce me to her workout video. <laughs> I'm upset yeah. now. <laughs> and it, it's funny because like, like Linnea Quigley is known as the queen of the bees um, because like she's like one of the biggest bee horror movie actresses of all time. And, and, you know, like she had like this workout video that she made where there are these different segments for like the different exercises. And in one segment, like these zombies break into her house and they're about to eat her. And then, <laughs> then like she starts doing calisthenics and the zombies all get behind her. So doing calisthenics. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it, it's super hilarious. Um, we're watching this as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> uh, but, um, so like when, when I was trying to figure out like who, who are the screen Queens that we want to watch movies for, like Linnea Quigley was at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I started going through like her filmography to try to figure out what we're going to watch. And she's best known for Return of the Living Dead, where basically she's like completely naked for like that entire movie. No joke, like full frontal, like top to bottom naked. And and I I was like, well, you know, like that's too well known of a movie. I kind of don't want to do that one. And so like uh, I started looking through her filmography and, you know, she was in some like better known B-horror movies, but I wanted to do something that was a little bit offbeat. (laughs) And I found, Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I found Creepazoids <laughs> and it turns out that Creepazoids, not only did it have Linnea Quigley in it, but it was directed by this guy named David uh, Dakota. And uh, David Dakota, for those of you who don't know who that this is, um, he directs kind of, porn. Well, well he has directed <laughs> porn, but he, he's, he's known as the king of the homoerotic horror movie. <laughs> And like, he basically, like he started off his career making these like really exploit. I think that's a title he made up himself. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it really, like, it really isn't. Like he started off his career. Do you ma- know who I am? He's like, the I'm f- the king of homoerotic horror. <laughs> He's like the film version of Joe Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm the Tiger King. <laughs> so, so David Dakota, uh, he, he basically, he started off his career making these really exploitative B horror movies that, you know, show TNA and stuff like that. And, uh, but he, he's a gay man. And so at a certain point, like he, he was like, is there a market for horror movies that appeal to women as opposed to like men? And so he started making these movies that were like very like kind of male, like female gazy where like, like they would have like, sh- like really buff shirtless men in them. And like, they just linger on like these, like, you know, like these shirtless it's, men. It's- and he, he made, he made a movie called, um, DB Cooper versus uh, Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And if you go on YouTube, you can watch the Red Letter Media um, review of this movie. 
And talk about homoerotic. Like, 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 <laughs> like every guy in, in this movie is like shirtless and you can tell a gay man made the movie. <laughs> you know? um, but like he's kind of pioneered this idea that like, you know, oh, like let's give some eye candy for women and gay men. And so like because he's made so many of these types of movies, like he's become known as like the, the king of homoerotic B movies uh-huh. because he doesn't have like any explicit sex or anything like in his movies, but like he just like likes shirtless men in them. <laughs> um, but this was one of his earlier films and it's basically a ripoff of Alien. I know how much Alex likes Alien. I love Alien. So I, I was like, well, let's do Creepazoids. <laughs> this was an insult to alien. <laughs> this. Well, it's funny because like around this time, a lot of like alien ripoffs were coming out. Yeah. This was just one this, among so many. Is, if you can ever like define the word ripoff when it comes to a film, like, oh, they totally ripped this movie off, but in like a, the worst way possible, this is this movie. It's like yeah. when they make porns about it's actual porn movies. Seriously, it, I, okay, I don't want to like make this myself out to be- that, but without like actual dicks and vaginas. Yes. <laughs> I, but I've seen lots of boobs. I've I've seen better porn parodies. There was better porn parodies in the new episode of The Have Boys that we're gonna watch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about all your porn parodies that you like to watch. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, there's porn parodies out there that take themselves more seriously than this movie did. And I'm just like, it, the the opening scene just kind of like lets you know right up front that this is not going to be a no. good movie. Yeah. Like, they're just like, let's do yeah. some long weird okay, shots. Speaking of, of which. Why don't you tell us I'm, what the movie is? Yeah, about? I'm going to yeah, set the stage. Ahead. So Creepazoids came out in 1987. So this stars, obviously, Linnea Quigley. So she was also in Night of the Demons, Return of the Living Dead, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. So she's a big scream queen. We've already talked about that. Kate is in love with her. Um, it also stars Kim McKay, who later went on to do adult films. <laughs> Yeah, she was an actual porn actress. Shocker. Yeah. And it's funny because when this she, was her first movie, right? Yeah. Uh, when she was originally cast in this movie, she was cast in Linnea Quigley's role, but she didn't want to do the nude scenes. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, very so uncomfortable they switched, with nudity. Yeah. They switched <laughs> roles. And then she later went on to be an adult film star. Yeah. Like, like a big, like 80s film. I forget like, what her porn name was. Ashlyn. Yeah. I don't know. Something. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Keep going. I don't know. Ashlyn. <laughs> Beaver box. Um, <laughs> Beaver box. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what a great porn name. <laughs> uh, a- Ashlyn Gear. Okay. Um, so basically, what this is about is um, in the in the far off future. Ashlyn Beaver box. <laughs> <laughs> Vader would be all over that. He'd be like, oh, I'm looking up her, her movies right now. Vader, who, He'd be wearing one of her t-shirts. Yeah. Vader, who's your favorite porn actress? Oh, it's got to go with Ashlyn Beaverbox. <laughs> Damn it, man. Yeah, for, forget Nalen Palin. Why isn't she? Why isn't he here? Oh. <laughs> all right. Continue. In the far off future of, of 1998. 1998. <laughs> fallout of world war three. Yeah. A group of military defectors Ugh. are trying to escape the acid rain Ugh. by seeking shelter in an abandoned science bunker. <laughs> and they encounter something much more deadly than oh the acid God. rain. Yeah. This movie is so and bad. world war three. So the first 10 minutes are, are just them walking. Yeah. yeah the let's, whole walk, let's walk over well, these. Well, well, no, there, there's an opening scene where we have a scientist. That's right. Who's, who's got like a, a fish a, tank, a fish tank full of weird stuff. Uh-huh. And she's doing science stuff. And, and <laughs> she's doing science yeah, stuff. That's, and, Literally, and, that's the best description because she's doing nothing, yeah. but it looks science. And, 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 and the, the door to, to the lab, like you hear these scratches and she turns around and she's like, 
who's there? And she literally does this like four times. You're acting better than she yeah. did in this scene. And yeah. she's got these like long red eighties nails. And yeah. also it's, it's world war three. Yeah. And it's like the apocalypse. Yeah. Who's doing this girl's nails? Yeah, it doesn't, and, and, none and, of this makes sense. Yeah. So, so like, you know, she's doing her science stuff. You hear the scratch at the door. She's like, who's there? And then, she goes back. She doesn't wait for an answer. She just goes back to start doing science stuff again. <laughs> she forgets somebody's at the yeah. door. And, and, and then like you hear the scratch again. She turns around and she's like, is someone there? And then she doesn't wait for an answer. Just goes back to doing science stuff. She's literally like just walking around this like little like lab set, just like poking things. And she, she does this like four times before she, she goes to the door and I kid you not, it's like the slowest reach for the doorknob ever. And then like once she hit, grabs the doorknob. A giant squid monster. Well, well, like she she turns it. We spend like a good 10 seconds watching her turn the, the doorknob and she opens it up. And, uh, you know, she's got her arms full of science stuff too. And, <laughs> so she can't defend herself. Yeah. And the minute she opens the door, it's like this backlit, steamy, like alien thing. It's a total, like the worst ripoff yeah. of the alien monster. And, and she, she screams, she drops the science stuff on the floor. And then we cut to the credit sequence. Opening credits, opening yeah. credit sequence. Yeah. And, and, and I wish that had been the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, tell us about this opening credit sequence. Okay. There's uh, what, five, five yeah. yeah, five people. Yeah, three dudes, in two ar- chicks. Army fatigues, <laughs> just walking around downtown LA. Yeah, uh, like for ten cl- straight minutes, the climbing the over ruins walls of downtown LA, climbing yeah. over slightly uh, inconvenient obstacles yeah. for ten minutes, and it's ten. Just- I'm not joking. Ten straight with minutes the worst camera angles the worst lighting <laughs> and yeah. then they're like i think there's rain coming my shoulder hurts well, well, my hold, hold, yeah, hold on we're gonna get to that <laughs> but but as they're walking so typically like when you're editing stuff like if you if you show a scene and then you cut to a credit when you cut back to a scene it'd be like a new scene you know like you'd use the credits as a way to transition between scenes what this movie would do is like they'd show them walking down like Train, train tracks, for instance. Then they'd cut to a credit. Then they'd cut back to the same shot of them walking down the train tracks, <laughs> like picking up right like, from where the last cr- the last edit an, happened. They yeah. got to an obstacle, cut to a credit, came back, and they're still at the obstacle. Uh, still at the obstacle. <laughs> yeah, and and like there's no dialogue, and it's kind of funny because like everything that they shot outside of the set for this movie, they did it without a permit. So like they had to be like very like fast and like guerrilla style in, in shooting the stuff in LA. Yeah. It's um, so awful. Yeah it's, yeah. it's really bad. So anyway, once we get to uh, like 10 minutes later, um, yeah, they, one of the, they, they take a break. They yeah, stop. We got to take five minutes. And one of the guys complains like, what are yeah. we taking a break for? Yeah. <laughs> was, five minutes R and R. Yeah. And, and they immediately start arguing that they don't need any rest. All, all, and all, then, all those slightly, Oh, the, yeah, the slightly uh, inconvenient yeah, obstacles. Yeah, the slightly, all the slightly inconvenient obstacles really took it out of them. Yeah. <laughs> so they sit down and then immediately clouds roll in. Oh, no, 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 not just clouds. Stock footage clouds. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. where can we get some footage of some clouds rolling and in? And the nerdy guy goes, ow, out of nowhere. And they're yeah. like, what, what? What's wrong with you? Yeah, like, and he's like, my, my bursitis. Sh- and and my they're sh- like, what the fuck is bursitis? <laughs> and he's like, it's kind of like tennis elbow, except it's in your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the worst acting ever. Yeah. 
but, but it, it reminds me of like like the old men who sit out on their porch and it's like, yeah. oh, my knee's acting up. Storms are coming. Storms, Storms are coming in. Rolling so, in. So, so, so like the guy, because of his bursitis, he can tell when the Worst. acid rain is coming. <laughs> it's like the acid rain uh, alarm. He's their weatherman. Yeah. They're like, we've got to get inside. So they break open the closest door they can find and it just so happens to be this old scientific lab that's been decimated by some event that they don't know and, about. And the most hilarious thing is like, so these are all um, army like deserters. Yeah. And they all have the the water gun Uzis. <laughs> Literally that, water that, guns. That, that, that you, I had the that, same gun. Yeah, that did we, we all did. <laughs> Except like they're painted black, yeah. but they're so obviously water guns. Yeah. And they're all like like wielding them like they're like real. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I kept throughout the movie, I kept telling Judah, I was, I was like, God, these toy guns. And I was like, what type of ammo do they even shoot? And then like when they finally shoot, it's like lasers. It's a laser. laser. I was like, I, I, I forgot mean, we're in the far future of in 1998. In the far future of 1998. This is <laughs> yes. the, the up and coming technology. Yeah. They have handheld, handheld plastic guns that shoot laser yeah. bolts out of it. And, and they, they were literally like Uzis. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but, for some reason, they're like, oh, no, they're, they're laser guns now. <laughs> this is so bad, guys. This so it so was bad. budgeted. They made this There's movie. There's a budget? Yeah. They made this movie for $75,000. Get out of here. What do you think it made? Oh, oh, that's Go insulting. Low. Go low. A year's salary for, like, most people <laughs> in the United States? On what? What did they buy? <laughs> I think they shot it in 13 days. They, bought, they shot it in the same room. The set never changes. Yeah, it's the same room. It's the same every room. scene. They, every scene. They, they just redress it. They just changed yeah. They the, rented that room. <laughs> and this, I think it only took them like 15 days to film this. Too. And, and, yeah. and the hallway. Yeah. Like they have that room in the hallway. Yeah, the hallway. <laughs> the storage unit hallway where yeah. it's just doors after what doors. What do you think it made? I don't know. I don't care. 13,000. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Well, it, it made that in the theater. Oh, tell me the freaking. It got remastered. Well, we we rented it, yeah, so it I, made another four bucks. I want off my freaking three dollars back. <laughs> I'm with Vader on this one. Like, give me my money back, man. Yeah, it, 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 it probably ended up making a profit in the long run because basically <sighs> this movie was made for direct home video release. Yeah, and we we didn't research into like how much um, well, home video. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think it, would you even be able to. But anyway, like the the people who made this movie, the producer, I guess, um, was like really loved this idea. So he wanted to go ahead and put it out in theaters, which I guess he did. Yeah. And, and I just was like, he ended up getting like a, a 10 movie deal out of it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't understand. David Dakota, yeah. yeah. I don't understand the, the people who like this kind of thing. I'm like, this is because this guy brought it in Oops. on time on budget <laughs> and it made money. I guess mm -hmm. I can't believe it, man. This movie this was film so has bad. everything. It has scorpion squid monsters, R O U S S. Monster babies, yeah. dead I don't believe they exist. Like, 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 like when the, when the first giant rat came out, yeah. um, I, I turned to, uh, to Jude and I was like, it's an RU, RUSS? They don't really exist. RU, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't actually exist. Yeah, I, from, I, from, uh, did anybody catch that this movie never says the word creepazoids? Yes. Yeah. I guess it wouldn't. Well, we well, know why. The reason why they named yeah, it that I was because they wanted to. They used the name from the, uh, some band from the eighties that named a freakazoid or whatever. It was a song back then that the director really that liked. Song. And he's yeah. like, Oh, I love that song. I'm going to name a movie creepazoids and I'm going to make it like an alien parody. I'm just, I just, everything about this movie. I kept waiting for like something in the, in like the science no. diary no. to be like, oh the creepazoids have <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So this, the, the nerdy character that complained about his shoulder problems early on, like finds this like uh, old computer. But before he does, he sees a decapitated head on the floor. <laughs> 
and he freaks out like he's never seen a decapitated head before and he runs away and that's then, why I left the military yeah and then when when his friends come back you know what they do with the deca- they just kick it yeah they kick it out of the way yeah, uh, out who out cares way. about that get this head out of here who let's not worry about where it came from or whose head it the, is the original title of the movie was mutant spawn 2000 yeah but um the director was originally going to use creepazoids for a different movie and the uh, producer really liked the concept of this movie, but he liked the title Creepazoids better. So he was like, just call it Creepazoids. And if you'll notice, like there's, there's only like one monster in the movie. So yeah. like, like it should be called Creepazoid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's mutant rats that they get in a fight with mm-hmm. that kills a couple of people. Or as, as we like to call them, the, the hand puppets. Yeah, the hand yeah. puppets. Because it, just... it literally looks like someone's hand in a rat puppet, yeah. just like attacking people. Yeah. Arg. Everything. <laughs> this, is, this is so awful. It's like, I, uh, we were joked before. It's astoundingly uh, awful. It's, a, it's so bad. It's not awesomely bad. No, Please no. don't, don't, conf- don't misunderstand <laughs> us. It's not awesomely bad. It's just bad. And I'll, I'll t- I wanted, this is, I've actually been thinking about saying this. I've been like, a, save it for the pod thing. I've been like, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to say about this movie? How would I describe it? I watched Bad Taste yeah. because Kadish <laughs> loves the early Peter Jackson movie, Bad Taste. And we talked about that movie and I actually gave it a lot of credit. I'm like, this is Peter Jackson's first ever movie. It was a project of love and they took a lot of care into it. Yes, it was horribly cheesy, but it was played off in like a humorous kind of way. And it had some, a little bit of like a parody-esque feel to it. This movie takes itself very seriously. <laughs> Very, very seriously. And it does not give any room for like, oh, this is just kind of like a fun parody. No, no. So for me, like if a bad movie is bad, but they did it with love and they have a bit of humor to it, it's a good bad movie because it's funny. This was not funny. There was nothing in this movie that made me laugh. It was all very just poorly made no, no, we, filmmaking. We, we, we kept referring to the Brasidus joke throughout the movie. <laughs> I just, I know. I, I just, I'm like everybody in the but, movie. But, but you know what makes this movie for me is just Linnea Quigley. Linnea Quigley is very charming. <laughs> like, like when they first find this bunker, they split up to go like, you know, search it to make sure that like there's no one else hiding in there. Let's go take a and, shower and, together. And Linnea Quigley and, and her, uh, her, Butch? Uh, yeah, her, of, counter, course, of course his name is Butch. Yeah, they, <laughs> They find a shower and like the, this is like, it's world war three. They, they're, they're all dirty and disgusting. Like it looks like none of them have showered in a long time. And Linnea quickly is just like, so excited to find the shower. And she's like, let's see if it works. And she turns it on the water comes out and they're all like, Ooh. And, <laughs> and, and so like she, she wants to take a shower and Butch decides to quote unquote stand guard. And she's like, what are you doing? This is the bad porn parody part of it. Yeah. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm standing guard. And she's like, she's like, bullshit. Like you're yeah. going to come over here and yeah. take a shower with you're me. You're going to soap my back up. <laughs> yeah. And so like, like they, they, the front up. Yeah. Too. So, so they both, so we get to see like the Linnea Quigley signature, like boobies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boobs. But, and, uh, 80s tits. Yeah. 80s tits. And so like they go into the shower and their bodies are pressed up against each other. So you can't see any genitals. And the camera slowly like kind of like pans up. This is very yeah. romantic. This is and, where he and, got his porn start. And they're, they're like, <laughs> Uh, they're making out in the shower as like water's hitting them. And it's kind of funny because like um, Jude and I, when we were talking about Dawn of the Dead um, in the zombie episode that we did, um, there's a scene in there where there's another like kind of like shower love making scene. And the actors who are in that scene before they shot it, they went to Zack Snyder and they're like, you know, no one kisses in the shower. Right. <laughs> and, and Zack Snyder's like, shut up, just do the scene. It'll look good. And so like in this movie, like when we saw them, you know, making out in the shower, we were both like, 
Nobody kisses in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> there was, it was so dumb too. Cause one of the things they were like, they were kind of worried that the water would be like uh, poisoned or not poisoned, but like just acid, yeah, acid water or whatever would be, make them sick. And before they even like test it out or think about it, she just starts like gargling the water. Yeah. And she says actively in the movie, I don't care if it's poison. I'll t- I'm going to take a shower anyway. And I'm like, so you could, you could just die then in like five minutes when you could just poison yourself. You have no yeah. idea. Cause it like the, the whole plot of this movie is that they can't leave the uh, science facility because of the acid rainstorm outside. Yeah. So like they're trapped in there. I just, this is just so bad. Nothing makes any sense. <laughs> and, and what's weird is like, so like the, the weird science guy with bursitis, <laughs> like as he's, as, as he's like, like he finds a floppy disk. Science. Okay. Oh yeah. The floppy disk. Yes. And, and, science guy. Yeah. yeah. Bur, bur, bur science. Yes. So like he goes to the one computer in the lab, puts in this floppy disk and it's like a diary from like someone who was like in the facility beforehand when they were doing the sciencey stuff. And he's reading the diary and um, he hears like a noise and like he looks beneath the desk and there's this huge vent (laughs) that that's right under the desk and he opens it up and he starts crawling through the vent (laughs) and this movie. So like they had to stretch this movie out to 71 minutes to make it theat like, you know, um, Oh yeah. So like, the, like the right length. So a movie to be feature length has to be 72 minutes. This movie is 72 minutes and 11 seconds. <laughs> and the way they did this is they, they showed very long scenes of people crawling through a vent, <sighs> but it's not really a vent because it, it just looks like a vent, but you can see like where like the, the wall stops and <laughs> So like, it's very obviously just like a, a very like low budget set, but probably a cardboard box that they yeah. got. <laughs> but, but so like we, we see our science guy crawling through the vent and then he gets to the layer of the creepazoid and it's like this weird, like kind of like egg hatchy yeah, alien rip off. Yeah. And the minute he gets in there, the creepazoid attacks, lifts him up and chomps his face. And then like we smash cut back to um, the next morning where, you know, his crew's waking up. And it turns out our science guy is back in his bed. He just sits up like nothing happened. And, and we're like, wait, how did you get back in bed? And like, why don't you remember getting your face chomped by a giant alien yeah. creature? And and so it was all so that they could have this scene where they rip off the chest burster scene from mm-hmm. aliens where mm-hmm. this guy is sitting at the table as they're all eating breakfast. And they're so amazed that the, the other girl can cook so well. Yeah. That was a big thing. Like, Oh, yeah. she's going to start cooking too. Oh, and let's not talk about like this. And you know, what's funny is like, she's probably the smartest one of them all. <laughs> let's t- yeah. like, like in terms of science stuff, the, like, uh, like she can do anything. The kitchen is just fully stocked of food. Apparently yeah. that hasn't gone bad. There's like fruits and vegetables in a mm-hmm. basket. And I'm like, how long has this facility been like, no one has dusted it in, a year yeah, at least. But the food is good. But yeah. As, this is just as yeah. terrible. This so, so, so science guy basically like starts mutating at the, at starts the dinner spewing table. black yeah, liquid out of like, his like mouth. his hand is like, is morphing into like this weird nub. Um, <laughs> and, and everyone's like freaking out. And you He's got, got contacts in that make his eyes yellow. He turns into a dead eye. Yeah. yeah. You, just, you got Linnea Quigley screaming. So scream queen moment. <sighs> and then the guy just dies. He just like flops over. He's dead. And everyone's like, Oh, what the hell happened to him? And so they, they go to the computer room to, to do research and, and they find the science diary and they find the science diary. And they also find the, the, uh, the vent that he crawled into. So they all and, crawl into well, it. Well, 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 at first they have an argument over who should crawl into it and who's more qualified to and crawl that, into it. That vent. argument takes about 10 minutes also. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like the, the, the two guys, like the, the leader and Butch are both like, uh, I think it's Jake and Butch. 
They're, of course. Yeah. They're, they're both arguing over like who should go first. And, and Jake's just like, and Jake has made it apparent that like, he knows nothing about computers at this point. Like, like he's like the dumbest one of the group, but he's like their leader. And he, he's like, I'm more qualified to, to, to go in here than you are. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so, yeah. So like the women stay behind and the two dudes like, you know, go in there and, and, uh, and crawl, crawl through the vent. And as the women are behind, they start getting attacked and they start screaming. And so, uh, butch. They get attacked by the rats, right? Yeah. yeah. Why are we going in such detail? We didn't even go this much into detail on the howling. Well, because well, it's so yeah. amazing. Like we, we, no. Th- there's a chance people listening have seen the howling. No one's seen this. No movie. one's yeah, 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 seen yeah. this movie. All right. So, so butch. If we want to be thorough, so that you don't have to. Yeah. Butch is is making his way through the vent when he hears the screaming. So he turns around and he starts crawling back to where he came from. Which, which means that once Jake gets to the other side, somehow he gets knocked out and it, you're, we're assuming it's by the creepazoid. But what happened was it wasn't that they were attacked by rats. It was that Linnea Quigley went down to another closet and found a partially decomposed body with the alien creepazoid thing behind it. And that's what freaked her out. And so everyone came, goes running down that hallway <laughs> that the we same see hallway. Yeah, the same hallway <laughs> the, the entire time to come to her, her aid. And everyone's just like, Oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, and things just get, like, it's kind of funny because like, there's only like four people left alive now. And so like they burn through their victims very quickly. I'd say that this movie gets progressively worse, but it doesn't, it's just bad the entire way through. Yeah. There is no it's, like, it's equal bad the entire way through. Yeah. And we, I want to just cut. I don't want to talk about this movie anymore, but we can just talk at the end. Like when they, they defeat the monster, right there, which characters left one of the characters left. Well, hold on. I no, want to no, no. talk about no. this a little bit more because, <laughs> because you have the character Kate and she gets bitten by an, are you uh, <laughs> a giant you rat? A, yeah, yeah. Giant rat. Rodent of unusual size. Rodent of unusual size. And it's, it's kind of funny because like, so her and Linnea quickly are fighting off these giant rats and they hide it on top but of a first, bed. They're talking about their feelings about boys. Oh yes, first. of course. <laughs> and, uh, and so like they're fighting off this rat, the rat disappears after going up Linnea Quigley's shirt. Yeah. It just like, <laughs> it rams itself up her, sh- up the back of her shirt. And then Kate just pulls it out by its tail and then it disappears. And they're, they're both sitting on top of the bed, hiding from the rat. And there's just like a blanket on the bed, but like a tiny corner of it is off the bed. And they decide to look behind yeah, yeah. that so, one so, so tiny Kate, corner. Kate of course it's, like, it's hiding there. Like lowers her head <laughs> so that it's, it's level with the floor. So she's looking under the, the bed and she pulls up the, the blanket and then the rat shoots out and bites her on the neck. And like takes a chunk out of her neck. And as she's laying there basically dying and bleeding profusely from the neck, no one like. No one tries to stop no the bleeding. No one stops the bleeding. They just hold her hand. They're like, oh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're yeah. going to do anything we can to help you. And it's like, <laughs> put, a, put a compress on that. Yeah. And then later on, like Linnea Quigley goes back into that room and Kate's covered by a blanket. And so she pulls the blanket up. And of course, Kate's now a zombie. And she attacks Linnea quickly. Because that's how this works. Yeah. And, and you know, so, like, they have to have, like, a big fight there. And Linnea quickly, like, pretty gruesomely, like, kills her, right? Like, like she, uh, like, dumps, like, an entire shelf on top of her and then crushes her and stuff like that. I was... Uh, burn, burn this movie with fire. I was seriously... So let's talk about the climax. Yeah, the climax. Okay, so at the end of the movie, there's one character left. I don't give the, a crap. The, the leader, Jake. Whichever Are one it was. Are we talking about the baby? 
Yes, we're going to talk about okay. the monster baby, right? So he's fighting the creepazoid thing, and eventually he somehow gets the upper hand. And, and, he and kills the fight him. is hilarious. Like when the creepazoid lifts him up, and it's obvious that he's hanging from a wire, or, or like, or like it's it's like a padded dummy, and and the thing in the creepazoid outfit is just like like you know holding him over his head and like you know. definition of low budget. Yeah, and the guy's just screaming, and he finally gets the upper hand. Somehow he destroys or kills the monster. But as it's well, laying well, no, on the what, ground, what, what happens? We have to talk about this. What happens is so like. Jake is hiding behind one of these mini shelves and he randomly pulls a box off the shelf, opens it up and finds a, a chemical with a syringe inside. Oh, and this right. guy, and this guy who, who knows nothing about Thank science, goodness knows nothing about computers. He, he's like, this will do the trick. <laughs> and, and so, so like he fills this giant syringe with this like random like chemical and then rushes towards the creepazoid, stabs it in the neck with a syringe. With the, with the syringe and pumps it full of whatever was in that bottle. He has no idea what's in it. He had the power yeah. but, within well, him. Well, he, he knows along. it'll do the trick. Yeah, that's it. It's just a <laughs> plot it's convenience. It's so crazy. It, it just, just might, might work. work. This breaks every rule of every movie <laughs> ever. Like, don't do overly plot convenient things and don't have your characters do dumb things that make no sense. Every rule is broken. Well, well, well you movie. know what's funny is every time these soldiers encounter the creepazoid, their first instinct is to charge at it. <laughs> And when they run directly at it, the creepazoid always without fail just knocks them aside. And then like when they get back up, they're like, I know, let's charge at it. And so like, they just run at it again until the creepazoid either kills them or, or knocks them away. So after the syringe does its thing and the creepazoid falls over and we presume that it's dead, right? And then something pops out of it, like a creepy, oozy, baby-faced alien comes out. And like- It's an evil alien baby. Yeah. If you guys can picture what it looks like, it would be best compared to in- in total recall, the, uh, the mutant Quato. Guy, Quato that has the, his <laughs> chest burster thing. It looks just like that. That is very apt. Literally. Yeah. They might've just taken the leftover prop and brought it yeah. over. It's, and just an used an, it. it's an animatronic human baby with sharp teeth. That's creepy. And, as hell. and I'll it, give it and that. It, has it a is long, creepy. It has an umbilical cord attached to it. <laughs> he chokes it out. With the <laughs> but the funny thing is, is like the baby comes out of the creepazoid's head. <laughs> It's not, it's not from the belly. It literally <sighs> spawns from the head. That's how creepazoids and, and, and the, cre- and the baby is like ninja baby. Like he's like climbing up walls. The he's baby like, is he's scarier like, he's stalking, than anything else. He's stalking Jake. And like, he'll jump on Jake out of nowhere and just start like, like, ah, like clawing at him. And, and it, it's funny because like when they cut to the wide shot, Jake's obviously holding a fake baby and he's like doing the Shatner thing where he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, like twisting around like, oh God, oh no, you know. And eventually in order to kill the creepazoid baby, he wraps its umbilical cord around its neck and freaking strangles it with its own umbilical cord. And it's funny because like the camera just lingers on this obviously animatronic <laughs> baby and the baby's just like, ah, uh, ah, uh. I just can't, I can't burn this movie. And, 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 and so after the baby's dead, we spend a couple so minutes just watching Jake like stumble around. He eventually walks down the hall, looks into one of the bedrooms, sees that the girl that he liked, Kate is dead. And then he just leaves. And at that point they had still just hit 70 minutes <laughs> So they had to take an insert shot that they made earlier from the baby, uh, of the baby just kind of coming up into frame, and they put it at the end of the movie to get that extra two minutes. 
So to that, make it seem like the baby was not dead. Yeah, to make yeah. it seem like the baby was not dead. Because there's sequels in the ring. And, 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 and that was the big twist. Cue the end credits, and, and, and then they slow well, 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 way well, well, down. Well, well, no, like, so before they, they cue the end credits, they freeze frame oh, yeah. on the baby. So, like, we, we get this insert shot at the end, then the freeze frame, then the end credits, and they had to slow the end credits down. To, to get to that 72 minute. Yeah. And it's funny, like, be, you know, Alex, you were joking, but there were actually... Uh, two planned sequels to this that never got off the ground. No, I wasn't joking. I know. I know, <laughs> I know they planned a sequel. I just, I'm like, oh my God. And this movie actually had a remake in, I think, 97, which it's set in 98. So that's kind of hilarious. It had a remake <laughs> in, in 97 called Hybrid, which yeah. uh, apparently I, I, tried to well, I tried to look it, for it but I couldn't find and it, it was anywhere. funny because there was supposed to be a scene in this movie where the creepazoid rapes Linnea Quigley and impregnates her like an alien like like an alien yeah. um, but they they cut it for budget reasons I guess and in hybrid the remake um, they actually filmed that scene where like the character okay. gets gets raped by the, the weird alien apparently but, the the remake of it is like almost entirely stock footage this <laughs> This director and the producers involved in this movie have entered my blacklist. I will never watch anything else that these people are ever involved in. I'm going to set the stage for the listeners right now because Alex looks like a shell of himself right now after having watched this. I'm legit pissed off. And being forced to talk about it. Talking about this movie. David Dakota. He's um, pale. He's hunched over. He's made 102 movies. 37 of them. I'm going to use, I'm going to use our one F bomb for this. Fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I want nothing to do with anything that he's ever made. I just, I'm literally like, I'm getting angry thinking about and talking about this movie. (laughs) It's so irritatingly bad. It's an insult to everything that I love about movies. And I don't want to ever talk about this movie ever again. Well, it's funny because like in in our private DM, uh, you know, direct message group, Alex talked about how like, Everyone in this movie went on to do porn. <laughs> and it's like David Dakota, like, yes, he, yes, he's, he did he's porn. directed porn under Kate, like a pseudonym. Kate, what's her name? Um, did porn after this? I just like. Yeah, a- a- Ashlyn Greer, um, the, the porn star. Went on to do, and, and we're talking, we're, we're not talking softcore porn here. We're talking hardcore porn. And I want her first name to be Ashlyn now. Yeah. As- Ashlyn, Ashlyn Beaverbox. Ashlyn Beaverbox. Oh, shit. I got to go into porn now because I got the, I got the best name. Aslin Beaverbox. I'm, I'm sure that's why a lot of people go into porn. They're like, I have the the name. I, I got the name. Um, but got to do it. But what I took issue with was Alex said like Linnea Quigley did porn. I was like, I know that she's done topless scenes in pretty much every one of her movies. But yeah, I, 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 I don't I think she, she ever did porn. Well, actually, you weren't. I, she's done one porn. Okay, good. I did. I, I did a little bit of research into this. He found it, and it was called um, like Curse of the Lesbian. Oh God. Orgy or something like that. I don't know what, but she had one scene in this lesbian movie where like, you know, she did it and you know, I haven't seen it obviously, but it's like, it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. Um, we got to find it. No, we do not. <laughs> no, you guys, can we, ha- find we, it. we have to do a special episode. <laughs> if you the have salty nerd reviews, if you have uh, this curse of the movie, lesbian orgy, no. send it to us <laughs> and we'll review it. I honestly yeah. want to just apologize to the listeners for having to talk to the, listen to this freaking breakdown of this movie. It's so insulting. I would have loved to have heard Vader talk about. Oh this my movie. god! Yeah. I think he might have been angrier than I am. Well, because he, he gets mad when he has to ba- watch bad movies. Like, 
he got really upset with you for having to watch bad taste. He didn't even finish it. No, he, he got 20 so, minutes into it. And he, I, I feel like he'd have gotten to the credit sequence in this movie and just shut it off. <laughs> He's like, what? I, I thought it was over. <laughs> credits. Was, he has a rule. He's like, no student films and no movies that cost less than a couple million dollars. Have that rule. And, and, and no movies he has to read. Yeah. No, yeah, well, no he subtitles. broke that rule for train to Basan, but um, yeah, this is insultingly bad for people who like movies. Even don't watch this. Don't movie. watch this movie. I want my $4 back. I enjoyed it more than the howling. How dare you? <laughs> Be, because we, we were making You're a real comments. piece of work, man. If you guys listen to our podcast about bad taste and how much crap we gave that movie, <laughs> that movie is more watchable than this movie. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a physical visceral reaction from dir- this movie. It, it's made by a better director. I did. I had a, I had a Peter Jackson's way better. I was than upset. David Dakota. I was upset after watching this movie. I was like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. I, I, and the fact I that I understand what you feel right now, because that's how I felt after our, I watched I'm, bad taste. I'm looking at our timer right now and it's at two hours and I'm like, how dare we talk about this movie for that long? <laughs> yeah. Vader's like, I think you, you talked about that movie for too long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to listen to podcasts more than 10 minutes. Long. I was done. I was done. <laughs> I was done with this movie after talking about the setup. Uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. That's it. I'm done with this podcast. We're going to end right now. Uh, thank you guys for listening. What? No final thoughts. Final. Th- we already talked. No, no. Our, my final thought You've is broken Alex. I, you did. This movie broke me. I was like, good Lord. Um, don't watch I did this not movie. Choose this, which, Alex. which is better. This movie even, or, or Goonies. Oh, don't, don't do that. You're going to hurt. I would, I would watch the Goonies before I would watch this movie again. I will, I will give it. We the, found an exception. You found the exception. <laughs> um, I don't even, God, it's, it's ruined my brain. I don't even know what to say. What do, how do we close the podcast out? Jude, take it you away. You can find me at I am yes. Jude Juju on there the social. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. Where can we find everybody? I am Jude Juju. That's your Twitter handle. Go talk to movies with her. Whatever. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. yeah. T- tell her your porn name. Oh. She wants to hear it. Yes. I really Aslan, do. Aslan Beaverbox. <laughs> Don't anyone steal that. <laughs> it's mine. Kadish, where can they find you on the socials? At Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H. And um, I don't, my brain doesn't even work anymore. T- <laughs> Can't think of it. Uh, I, I just keep thinking of, uh, I, I see Vader sitting over there in his seat, just saying like zero star crap fest. Yeah, yeah this is bad, <laughs> yeah. bad, bad. Uh, you guys can find me at salty nerd. Uh, underscore. Under, yeah, salty underscore nerd on Twitter. And talk about movies. Don't talk about this movie. I will block you. <laughs> if you talked about this movie with this me, movie I will is great. block your Twitter handle. <laughs> it's up there with Angry Red Planet. <laughs> no, this is yeah. Never mind. Retro rewatch. No. (laughs) (laughs) Creepazoids too. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the rest of the month. We're talking all kinds of horror movies. Or I think we're doing Werewolf Week at one week. We're doing superhero movies uh, the next week. Superhero horror movies. Superhero horror movies. Uh, Stay tuned. Define that for me. Superhero or comic book movies that have to do with horror-esque and or Halloween. So The Crow is one of them. It It takes place in Halloween. Spawn, they go to hell and they fight the devil. Uh, and then what was the last one was um, Ghost Rider. Anyway, okay. enjoy the podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and tune in next week. Hey.